0: To reality entertainment presents the Think Tank Podcast. Starring your host, he's a podcaster, photographer, filmographer writer, conspiracy fascist, entrepreneur, explorer, color commentator, picky eater, beer ninja, secret agent, and the world's most influential humanoid, he is Ryan
1: the Area Man.
0: And now, coming to you, pre-recorded, from the very secretive D2R Studios, Deep undercover in the world's deepest darkest most secure patron collider and nuclear bomb tested and approved doomsday bunker here
2: is ryan the area man
1: and that ain't laugh at.
2: ladies and gentlemen i'm ryan the area man this is the think tank podcast thank you for clicking the download button thanks for uh sharing with everyone you know and spreading the word about this podcast and the network in general. We appreciate it. Um, it's amazing, all the uh, listeners we have. Uh, yeah, today we're talking about the Anunnaki. The uh, uh, Let's see, how do I put this? It's not necessarily an alternate version of creation and how we all got started. It's more so like um I don't know. it's so there's Darwinism, there's creationism, and then there's Anunnakiism, maybe uh, something like that. It's basically to, for me, personally, uh, when I first discovered this and then researched it extensively, it filled in like a, a lot of the gaps. Um, I was raised uh, with the Bible as my, uh, my, my basis of, you know, how we came to be, creationism, uh, at a certain point, it, it just had so many questions about the Bible that nobody could seem to answer for me, um, from there, I kind of flipped to, like, okay, well, Big Bang Theory, the evolution and all that, I, I went to that because it seemed like a little bit more, um, logical in scientific terms rather than just some mystical guy uh, up in the clouds saying let there be light and there was all of a sudden there was light like that seemed a bit fantastical to me and even though like the big bang seems a little fantastical it kind of like i don't know anyways the point is there's giant holes in both those theories And and maybe you can poke holes, as a listener, in in today's theory. But that's another... This is what it is. It's basically another uh, way that, to me, it takes the Big Bang, kind of, that whole thing. Kind of throws out evolution in a a certain extent, but yet keeps it in a certain extent. So it kind of fills in the holes of the, the Darwinism theory. It takes the creationism theory and adds another layer to it, and fills in the holes there, so you basically take the two, with Anunnaki-ism, is what I guess I'll call it for this intro, you slam it all together, and everything kind of starts to make sense, and that's what we talk about today, the uh, Anunnaki version, so this is just a, a different thing, it's a long podcast, and, and, I know some people really like these long ones. Other people are like, oh, not a fucking really long episode. But there's no other way to get this out. Normally, I I would split something like this into two episodes. But we're not going to do a part one and a part two. Uh, And the reason for that is, in the past, some people only listen to part one and then never click on part two the following week. Some people listen to only part two and have never heard the first half. So uh, you're not getting the full story. Today, in order to prevent... Because, to me, this is is so important that it, because it fills in so many holes and so many gaps. Um, for me, and I think even even so, Dave, uh, when it was all said and done, once we had all these gaps filled in and shit really started kind of clicking, it's like, man, we, we can't split this up because if you, you can't do this right in the middle and either stop there because you got to know the end, and you can't just pick up on part two and have never heard the first as, I'll be honest with you, there's people that are just don't do both. They just won't. Uh, there's other people that will listen to all of them. So I don't want to take that risk. So it's all in one giant episode. Normally we'll split these up. Not today, though, and I just explained why. Uh, and yeah, that's basically what it is. So that's how it's going to be. Um, but overall, bear with this episode. Not that it's... Not that it's it's choppy or anything like that, but it's just it's a lot of information, and uh, it's long. So if it takes you a few sittings to listen to it, but get through it, trust me. When it's all said and done, if you if you are able to open your mind and just hypothetically consider what I'm about to read you, it'd be no different than sitting in uh, a Bible class or like Sunday school and listening to some of the stories of the Bible or sitting in science classes into the big bang theory, uh, story and evolution. That's what this is. And, uh, I think you're going to be all better for it when it's all said and done. So I'm not even going to get into the other good stuff. We'll do that at the end. Hopefully you make it there. Um, and, uh, I do think you'll be better for it. So give it your best shot. Enjoy it. We'll see you on the back end.
1: What's up, Dave?
0: Hello, good sir. How are you? Swell.
2: Swell. That's an interesting way to... Right? Yeah. I haven't heard somebody answer that question that way in a long time. I like that.
0: I get fair to Midland a lot. I hate that. Fair to Midland? Yeah.
2: So-so. I like that one.
0: I hate when you ask somebody, too, how are you doing shitty? Well, how do you respond to that? Why? Yeah. I'm sorry.
2: Congratulations!
0: <laughs> Same here, bro. Have a better day. And you know what I don't one.
2: like is when you're... When you say somebody says "How are you?" and you go "Pretty good," and, you're like, and then they always respond, well, are you pretty or are you good?" How about you go fuck yourself?
0: <laughs> I'm pretty good. Never had that issue.
2: Nobody's ever said have you no. ever answered "Pretty good," though. There's only there's yeah, one guy that I I've, yeah. I've had dealt with my entire life that he's the only one that's ever done that. Were well, you pretty or are you good? And every time I just want to be like, "Fuck you!"
0: Be like, okay? I am pretty and I'm good.
2: That's what I would always say.
0: Like, you are pretty.
2: Right. How else do you fucking <laughs> respond to that? Like, yeah. do you have to be a dick? Like about everything? Yeah. N- not you. well no, like, that guy. That guy. Why are people like that? Like, people are just dicks. Bro. Here's the thing: if I ever say "How you doing?" I don't give a shit. I'm being nice. I'm doing what what everybody does. Everybody says, you know, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, it's just a it's an opening to what you're the rest of what you're getting good get into.
0: You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so you only like care how I'm doing when you ask no, me I, all the time?
2: I do. But the thing is, not to peel back the curtain, when we do nine podcasts and I ask you how you're doing every single start of every single one, you're the <laughs> fucking same you were in the last eight. So who gives a shit at that point? But we need to open it.
0: I change it every sense. time to make it look like i I know different. you
2: do, like swell. That's why I commented on it. Yeah. I like that. I'm fair to Mimlin, by the way. You're a
0: fuckface. <laughs> I'm so pretty good.
2: Anyways. I'm pretty good. Are you pretty or are you good?
0: I'm both,
2: bitch. No, you're not. Uh-huh. You're fucking ugly. My mom and says I'm pretty. pretty. You're bad. You should just...
0: Hey, since we're peeling back the curtain, this is a completely different podcast. Uh-oh. But you see what that says on that pad of paper there? Yes. I got Did it. Did you get that? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I was pretending. No, know,
0: uh, You wouldn't yeah. comment afterwards, so I don't know if you got Listeners
2: are like, okay, this has nothing to do with what the title says.
0: Yeah, all right, let's get Why into this. Why they do 20
2: minutes of hello, good morning. Hello. Douche nozzle It's me. Tag. Okay. Okay.
0: No, I don't I'm say that. Uh, Flip that's flop. a different...
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Alright, so, last week. Last week! We talked about Mandela Effect. Yeah. Which, in hindsight, I'm thinking, there was things I wanted to talk about Mandela Effect-wise that I completely forgot to talk about. Like what? Well, we're on to a different topic. Well, I know, but, but you not, brought it
0: up, and I'm curious. Yeah,
2: well, I almost think we need to do a separate Mandela Effect okay. one another time, like okay. we'll do a part two. Um, As we were specifically talking about, like, the Baronstein Berenstain, Berenstain Things Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. but then I wanted there was things I wanted to talk about about the Mandela effect that beyond that whole like different naming of like things how we remember it this way, but more so like I don't
0: know. We went in a whole different parallel ships and all the different dimensions and shit. We went that route too.
2: But did I go into like so if you're driving down the road and like yes, it's like.
0: If you if you almost hit, miss an accident or some level or some dimension that you actually fell into that accident, but you actually
2: hit, but like yeah. so, like you don't even realize you're flipping. Yeah, to we a talked thing. About that. Uh, Did we? Yeah, because I just had that happen. Like, I've since, since we I like started learning about Mandela Effect mm-hmm. and all this shit. I've had like different things where like, uh, like I'll be driving like going through an intersection and I like, got I'm I look like five times every fucking direction. And they'll be like, I'll be pulling out, and then all of a sudden there's a fucking car that was not there. So it's like, is this one of those things? And but it doesn't hit me, but it's like, it was a close call.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm wondering, so like, I have these th- thoughts like, did that car switch? Like, let's just say, that, like, did that car go from one to another, and all of a sudden it, it just happened to be there? And then, did it hit me, but with, like, my person switched over to another one, so I'm not experiencing that, and then I think what about the people that do get in an accident when you're driving on the road and you see the accident so, they got in an accident here, I'm seeing it but they flipped over, and what about the people that are actually experiencing the accident after it happened why didn't they flip over to another uh, alternate dimension where they didn't have that accident, why are they experiencing it in this one Or Because there's multiples Mm -hmm. if we're going on this weird... Mm -hmm. It's a whole weird thing. And it may be complete bullshit, too, but... Like, I don't know. It's... It's so weird, and I try and think about this shit all the time now because... Who knows? And it's interesting for... To me, at least. I don't know if it is to the listeners, but... To me, it's interesting. How all these work. And then the body that stays in this dimension that did go through the accident your brain may have switched over to another one, so you wouldn't have to handle that. But yet, in this one, you are handling that. Mm -hmm. So why then choose... Like, is it a choice, or does it just happen?
0: just happens.
2: And you're obviously experiencing both at the exact same time.
0: But you're not aware of the other one.
2: Or are you? Like, is there times where you just say... Like, it's a subconscious thing. I'm not flipping over. I'm going to deal with this at this point in time. Or, you mean? Like, I don't know. And then, in this case, do we ever die? Do we ever die?
0: I I would say you don't have the choice because if that's the case, then I would choose not to go to work every day and let my other body go to work and I could be out doing something else. Do we have that?
2: (laughs) Do we have the choice? Or is it, it's like a subconscious choice? Or, like, what makes you flip from one to the next, then? I don't know. You know what I mean? The whole thing's weird. It is, and so and we'll do another
0: one. We'll, we'll shelf that. We'll we almost do need one.
2: like someone that studies this mm-hmm. as like a thing to try and to answer some of those questions that maybe we can't answer.
0: Well, let's look and see if we can find. Something. Anyways, so yeah. today, the like we, we ended we, that episode. Yeah. We
2: were going to get into the Anunnaki. Anunnaki. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm gonna I, I went and pulled up this this thing. You had given me some books. Um, to read. Yep. We're we're still working on a guest, may or may not ever happen. We're not going to get into the details yep. as to why, but you were informed to read these particular books. By that you person. gave me the fat one. You were you started reading this one. We're going to reference. You're having troubles getting through it because the content is above and beyond and shit that you were expecting one thing and it kind of wasn't that, but you're also not as advanced into this kind of. Weird shit like I am. Mm-hmm. You're learning it uh, from me, kind of. Yeah. So I read that thick one. You so read read me this one. I read this one, and what I've done is I, I've I've taken the fucking book. There's one particular chapter that's on Anunnaki, and it's right at the end of the book. Um, what's it called? Just so people want rule by secrecy by Jim Mars. Okay. So if you you want to go read this whole book yourself, go ahead. Go get the book. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'll read excerpts, basically, of yeah. this, um, and we'll talk about it as we go. But this is, so, I guess, let me just start here. What is the Anunnaki? Well, I'm not going to explain wh- what they are, but well, th- let me just read, because okay. it all makes sense. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Let me get a drink of water here. Dave's already yawning, so he's going to fall asleep <laughs> during this episode. Hopefully. Here's the thing. When you yawn on here, I've listened to uh, other podcasts we've done with somebody's yawn, and it makes me yawn. So you just made everybody yawn. This is a horrible way to start.
1: Horrible Sorry, ways. guys.
2: If you're going to yawn, like, go away from the thing. Now people are like, oh, fuck. He's going to read for an hour. No. That's not what I wanted. Let's go.
0: Yet. Bring it on, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just turn my mic off, and I can yawn as much as I want.
2: <laughs> no, because I need you to comment if you... I am hoping, like, this is as interesting to you as it is, was to me. Like, I'm still fascinated. I read this, like, four times over the last week prepping for this, and every time I'm like, man, could this be real? Like, it, could this actually be what it is? And it kind of explains... Okay, that's just good. All right. All uh, right. The world's first secrets dealt with the true origins of mankind. Neither of the two most prevalent theories of today, Darwinism and creationism, can fully account for human origins and development. Creationism is what the Bible mm. talks about. God said, let there be Yeah, yada, yadda yada. Darwinism is... Uh, big Bang. Evolution, Big Bang, and whatnot. What okay. Darwin, well, uh, we'll explain it. Darwin's theory of survival of the fittest fails to explain how humans overcame the thousands of deficiencies within the human DNA structure, while creationism overlooks an impressive fossil record. Clearly, a new model is required. Recently, the theories regarding the origin of modern humans were further confused by the discovery of fossils indicating that Neanderthal, a primitive man, lived side by side with Cro-Magnon, modern man in what is now Israel. Yet, mysteriously, these two races apparently did not interbreed. Neanderthals and moderns did not interbreed in the Levant because they could not. They are reproductively incompatible separate species. Similar to how you can't fucking fuck a cow and have a cow-human because they're two right. different species. The shit doesn't work. Now it's not to say that they're not trying to, like, combine like, humans with animals because we can do a whole other think tank on that because they're actually starting, shit's leaking out. Uh, not leaking out, but, like, being released that they're Doing these like chimeras. Really? You know what that is? Mm. Where they're like, they're human uh, animal hybrid things. Really? So they like, they've actually been testing this. It's really fucking weird. And we can get into that another time. But that's definitely a topic. Because shit's down. starting to come out about this. The scientists, and they're, they're like putting their articles in like mainstream things talking about these different things. Really? So it's fucking weird that that shit happens. And, uh, yeah. Anyways. Um. Furthermore, scientific testing showed that modern human remains in prehistoric Israel predated Neanderthal remains by as much as 40,000 years, presenting a severe blow to the theory of continuous evolution. These findings also may have resolved the question of the infamous missing link between primitives and modern mankind, namely that there is no such link. There appear to have been two separate species. Again, this requires a new model for human origins. Many of this planet's deepest mysteries involve artifacts dating back thousands of years. They include... Now, some of these are pretty interesting, some maybe not so much. Um, some of these you've probably heard of. A number of uh, unusually small ancient Chinese porcelain seals, in quotations, discovered all over Ireland in the 18th and 19th centuries, a time when there was no known commerce between the Emerald Isle and China. So That's, that's interesting. trying to figure out how the fuck they got there. How yeah. did they get there? Uh, Mysterious life-size crystal skulls, this is what Indiana Jones movie was based on, Mm -hmm. Uh, that last one that was not that good, dated to at least 3,600 years ago, found in South America. According to the staff of the British Museum Laboratory, the skulls give indications of being made with some sort of powered cutter. Well, how else would you make these fucking skulls? They're perfect. Yeah. I mean, and they're all identical, and and they're crystal. It's it's really weird. Um, About to burp. Okay. (laughs) Numerous giant stone balls found in Costa Rica in the late 1930s were from granite not found in the area and their symmetry was so perfect as to defy explanation of who made them or how. Explain that one. Throughout England, France, and Germany today stand many ancient stone forts. There are at least 60 in Scotland alone built with large rocks which at some point were vitrified melted from such heat as to become fused and glassy. The heat necessary to produce such an effect, up to 1,100 degrees Celsius, which is really fucking hot Fahrenheit, Yeah, it is. ruled out the possibility that the stones were melted by conventional fires. Yeah, you'd have a really hard time getting that kind of heat naturally. Yeah. Or, you know, the way we know how to make heat. Right. Yeah. It gets really fucking hot, especially back then. Uh... What for all purposes appeared to be computer-dated almost 100 years before Jesus discovered in 1900 off the island of Antikythera near Crete. Known as the Antikythera mechanism, the device contained a system of differential gears not known to have been used until the 16th century. A small vessel containing a copper cylinder with an iron rod inside discovered in an Iraqi village and dated from at least 220 years BC turned out to be nothing less than a battery. When alkaline grape juice was added to the strange object, it produced a half volt of electricity.
0: Well, so they had battery-powered shit back then. It's
2: fucked up, right? Yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Unexplained manufactured sites such as Stonehenge and Sill Hill in Britain, the huge heads of Easter Island, the Peruvian Nazca lines, the Great Serpent Mound of Ohio, and the controversial prehistoric rock wall east of Dallas, Texas, seem to have in, seem to indicate technology lost in prehistory you've heard of most of those things. Those are like... Where is Sill Hill? I don't, I, that one I never heard of. I don't know what Sill Hill is. i look it up real quick. It says Sill Hill Waterfall Trail. I don't know.
0: West well, that's Julian, California, though. Yeah. Didn't you say it was in Britain?
2: That's what it said. I put Britain with it. Hmm. I don't know why it's not kind of Silbury Hill. No, I don't know, dude. I don't either. either. As, I'm just reading what it says. Yeah, no, I know. People can look into the, the Serpent Mountain of Ohio. Okay, so I already read that. Did you ever see the rock wall in east of Dallas, Texas, Mm-mm. when you were there? All right, we'll have to look that up when we make our trip down there. <laughs> um, former, Na- former NASA official Maurice... Chaitlin wrote of 13 mystic- mystical s- oh, Jesus Christ 13 mystical sites within a 450 mile radius of the long venerated Greek island of Delos which connected by straight lines produce a perfect Maltese cross emblem of the Crusader Knights. Chaitlin said such a gigantic pattern could only have been created from a vantage point in space. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, you should be like you should actually be looking this shit up as we go, but this isn't. This is just to set up what we're about to talk about. Right, so right, this isn't right. really. This is kind of okay. Let's just continue. According to Chaitlin, coins of exactly the same weight have been found in geographic locations thousands of miles apart and in different cultures separated by thousands of years. In 1996, Han Ping Chen, an authority on the ancient Chinese Shang Dynasty, confirmed that markings found. On Central American Olmec figures dated to more than 3,000 years ago were clearly archaic Chinese characters. Puzzled archaeologists admitted that identical writing systems cannot be independently invented. Carvings located 25 feet above the floor in ancient temple of Seti I in Abydos, Egypt, resemble nothing less than two jet airplanes and an Apache attack helicopter.
0: We've seen that.
2: Their presence has been noted by recent travelers and reported Reportedly were mentioned in an 1842 report, yet no one knows what they truly represent. Yeah, I think we've come across that. Yeah, the one that had
0: tanks and all that shit. Yeah, it's fucking weird. We've seen that. Um,
2: Cuneiform Babylonian tablets in the British Museum describe the phases of Venus, the four moons of Jupiter, and the seven satellites of Saturn, none of which could have been seen in ancient Babylon without the aid of modern telescopes. The maps of Turkish Admiral Piri Reis... Or Rees, dated from the early 16th century and said to be used based on earlier maps predating Alexander the Great, accurately depict the Amazon ba- basin of South America and the northern coastline of Antarctica, neither of which was surveyed until after the advent of aircraft in the 20th century. The accurateness of these maps regarding Antarctica are especially puzzling since it has been under an ice cap for at least 4,000 years.
0: That's crazy, too.
2: A lot of these are. And the last one. A rectangular ziggurat built before 8,000 B.C., recently found near Okinawa, points to people with advanced technologies living long before the generally accepted date of the first civilizations. Okay, so, then, why don't we know more about our past and such artifacts as those few mentioned uh, above? The answer lies in the destructive nature of humans. Only a few of Homer's poems, not Homer from The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It just says Homer's poems, so Homer Homer must have been somebody. Ho- didn't Homer's do Odyssey? Let's look. I don't remember. It really doesn't have anything to do with this. But excuse me, uh, Homer, yeah. ancient. Yeah, group. the Iliad, the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah, well, there you go. So you knew this. I I think some people probably don't know who they think Homer Simpson. Yeah, okay, no, I've heard of him before. So only a few of Homer's poems survived the destruction of his. Uh, works by the Greek tyrant Pasystratus in Athens. Nothing survived the destruction of the Egyptian library in the temple of Ta in Memphis. Likewise, an estimated 200,000 volumes of priceless works disappeared with the destruction of the library of Pergamus in Asia Minor. When the Romans leveled the city of Carthage, they destroyed a the library said to have contained more than 500,000 uh, volumes. Then came Julius Caesar, whose war against Egypt resulted in the loss of the great library at alexandria considered the greatest collection of books in an antiquity with the loss of the serapim and the bruchian branches of that library a total of some seven seven hundred thousand volumes of accumulated knowledge went up in flames what little survived was destroyed by christians in ad 391 european libraries also also suffered under the romans and later from zealous christians between the sacking of Constantinople and the Catholic Inquisition, an inestimable number of ancient works were irretrievably lost. Collections in Asia fared a little better as Chinese Emperor Qin Shi Huang Ti ordered wholesale book burning in 213 BC. Because of these tragedies, we have to depend on disconnected fragments, casual passages, and meager accounts. Our distant past is a vacuum filled at random with tablets, parchment, statues, paintings, and various artifacts. The history of science would appear totally different were the book collections of Alexandria intact today. which so I agree. Think about how much history has been lost in fucking stupid wars and people just trying to uh, cover up. Like, let's say you destroy all this and then you can literally invent a new version of history for yourself. Think about, like, the Rothschilds and things yeah. like that. Like, we'll look about we're going to get into more of it. You'll see. What we'll about,
0: was it the Monuments Men? Is that the movie where they yeah. went back and they were trying to save all that stuff? That all the, the paintings, yeah. and things like that, that the yeah. Germans were. Yeah, so it's kind of like, the you know, same thing. Yeah, like, that's all the shit they were burning. And, yeah, well, and
2: think about it. it. Like we've always, like we've said in other of these, the winner creates the history.
0: Right, the winner can erase what really is, and, and then tell create you their own. the version
2: that yep. they want you to know. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've always said you almost want to read what you can find about the loser's version because more than likely that's the truth
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know what I mean yeah, no, the, I agree. the winner's going to change it to fit so they don't they look a certain way
0: yeah yeah. they're so, going to tell the story that they want to
2: the point is this happens throughout history going back to the beginning of time right well, and the if beginning some, of time well, how we know how much of. shit's been destroyed though if you know mm-hmm. so what we're saying here is none of this could be true or all of this could be true or there could be parts it's you know some people look at the Bible as their truth, but this kind of goes hand in hand with what, um, what I'm about to read about Anunnaki goes hand in hand with it. So let me let me continue. You'll see it It'll all mm-hmm. make sense no, by no. the time we're done here.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine. You keep stopping, so I'm throwing my two cents yeah, when you stop. That's, that's what we that's
2: need that's to do. I think mm-hmm. break it up with conversation mm-hmm. about. Okay, conventional wisdom tells us that Egypt's greatest pyramid and Sphinx were built by the Egyptians some 4,500 years ago. However, the recent discovery on both of both of erosion from heavy rainfall and event which could have only occurred more than 10,000 years ago prior to the Giza Plateau becoming a desert is evidence that these inf- that these famous structures were built thousands of years before. It's crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, everyone keeps asking, like, how the fuck could they have built that shit? Yeah. Well, one there's stone there's, at a time. There's different know, right?
2: history channel things. Mm-hmm. that, Like, I watched this one thing on Netflix that they explained how, you know, it... That it was actually built later on. It was all based on a one particular pharaoh that's not known, not like the Tutankhamun and all of this bullshit, mm-hmm. but like a it's another one that's less lesser known that was a kid of a different one, and it started during one, and finished during when his kid's right. reign, and all this shit. But this kind of explains how, like, why it's like a lion head, or why it's a lion's body but a human face and shit like that, which. Kind of goes hand in hand with like this whole chimera. In the same thing
0: with the cat, like, the, uh, the cat, Isn't yeah. there like a
2: cat or whatever they yeah, are. There's a, yeah, I, are I actually tall? have one. Well, don't I have like one of these Egyptian-looking statue things? Yeah. I don't know where the fuck it is now, but I have one somewhere in here. Oh, it's right up there. The uh, the dog-looking thing, yeah. like all this weird shit, like they had back then. Anyways, mm-hmm. this all gets tied in here as we go on. You keep um, saying
0: this. I'm saying it. We know what ties in. Just say your shit.
2: It's all going to make sense. So is it going to tie in at the end then? Hopefully. (laughs) I think it will tie in. That's the rumor. Since we now have thousands of translated Sumerian tablets along with their inscribed cylinder seals, perhaps we should allow the Sumerians themselves to explain. The answer is that they claimed everything they achieved came from their gods, lowercase, gods. Um, All the ancient peoples believed in gods who had descended to earth from the heavens and who would who could at will soar heavenwards explained Middle Eastern scholar Zechariah Sitchin in the prologue to the first book of a series of series detailing his translations and interpretations of Sumerian accounts of their origin and history uh, I have his books on order I want to read all his books oh because this guy's fucking a lot of this comes from his shit because he's actually translated all these old Sumerian texts into English he's a Russian-born guy and anyways Um, You can go to YouTube and just type in Sitchin, Anunnaki, and you'll get all kinds of videos talking about him and all that. Um, Anyways, uh, let's see. But these tales were never given credibility, having been branded by scholars from the very beginning as myths. Recognizing that even the most learned researcher before the turn of the 20th century could not possibly have begun to think in terms of concept we accept as commonplace today, uh, n- n- such in reason, Now that astronauts have landed on the moon and, and, uh, and unmanned spacecraft explore other planets, it is n- no longer impossible to believe that a civiliz- civilization on another planet more advanced than ours was capable of landing its astronauts on the planet Earth sometime in the past. It is significant to learn that the Sumerians never considered or referred to the beings who brought them knowledge as gods. This was a later interpretation by the Romans and Greeks who fashioned their own gods after the earlier oral traditions. The Sumerians called them the Anunnaki, or those who came to earth from heaven. Okay? okay. So, they didn't call them gods. That was later on. Mm-hmm. Fucking. So, once again, there's a disconnect in translation, I think, with a lot of it. You'll see that as we go on. <laughs> um, to understand the Sumerian version of the origin of humanity requires only a slight shift in mindset. This is something we always talk about on here. Open your mind, and let something else kind of seep in and think about it. As a schoolboy studying Hebrew in Palestine, Sitchin had the audacity to question why the Old Testament term Nephilim was translated as giants when the original word meant those who were cast down. Predictably, instead of being praised for his initiative and attention to accuracy, young Sitchin was chastised for questioning the Bible. But the incident sent him on a lifetime quest for the truth behind the inconsistencies and puzzles of the ancient texts. Sitchin's question was well-founded. Rather than simply giants, the Holman Bible Dictionary defines the Old Testament Nephilim as ancient heroes who, according to most interpreters, are the products of sexual union of heavenly beings and a human woman, as stated in Genesis 6, uh, verse 4. Uh, Quote, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old men of renown. Now, I have a bunch of Bibles here, but it's up to you if you want to verify Genesis 6? Six? 6, verse 4. I just read the passage, but anyways, like, if you want to look further, there could be more about it in the yeah, f- following verses. Up. but on, uh, um Chapter 4. Shall I continue while you look? Yeah, ahead? go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Sitchin and others have simply taken the attitude that perhaps the ancient Sumerians were putting down on their clay tablets history as they understood it, rather than mere myths. After all, the Sumerian descriptions of many ancient s- cities were believed fanciful stories until their ruins were discovered and excavated. Why not also consider their written history as reality? So, what all these cities that they you know, were in all these mythical stories, or what they were being claimed as mythical stories, they started to discover that these are actually in existence as they're uncovering, you know what I mean, excavating different areas. Right. They're discovering that these cities were actual things. They're not mythical. So what they're saying is, why not then consider the rest of this shit is not mythical, but actual history? Right? Does that make sense? I mean, if, if you're starting to discover this shit, then you can't necessarily be mythical, Right.
0: Right.
2: I mean I don't know. What did you find in the Bible? You
0: said Genesis 4, right?
2: Genesis 6 verse 4. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, Genesis 6 yeah.
2: verse 4. Not Genesis 4.
0: All right. So before verse 4 says then the Lord said and this is Genesis 3. Then the Lord said, "My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years." Why are you reading Genesis 3? Cuz I'm giving it before and after. Okay. 4. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old men. And Reno, you know, that's what you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then five says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, the, the, throughout this, they're going to keep referencing the Bible, so keep it handy.
0: And that's... Oh, dude. So, it, verse... Chapter six is the flood.
2: Mm-hmm. We're gonna get to the. So, flood. have
0: you seen the new Noah? Uh,
2: yeah, with Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah,
0: those creatures. Yeah, is that the nephilim then? Is
2: the stone creatures. Yeah. and Yeah, I think that's a take on what they're talking about—the giants. Okay, that's a that's the movie's take on it uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. They're gonna explain that in this. Okay, as like read. I'm telling you, they're gonna take shit from the Bible. It's all gonna like it's all gonna tie in. Yeah, I no. keep saying it. Yeah, but. If you actually are paying attention, listeners, it, this shit will all... It's going to be weird, because it almost makes a hell of a lot more sense than just the Bible. The Bible yeah. Anyways, okay. uh, but you got to open your mind to it, and it, it'll all explain. Anyways, after years of dedicated translation and study, Sitchin realized that the biblical Nephilim and the Sumerian Anunnaki represented the same concept. That in the earth's most distant past, beings came down from the stars and founded the earliest civilizations—a theme which has run through nearly all secret societies, from Freemasonry to the Thule Society, as previously reported. So this is what your ruling elite believe. This is their whole back concept of what. This is the secret shit they don't want you to know. This mm-hmm. is they believe how we all started. This is why it remains a secret because they can control you, and you'll see why we are controlled the way we are because that's what ha- you'll see it's all going to make sense and I'm trying yeah. to explain it as we go yeah. by reading and then interjecting the account of the Anunnaki went something like this now here we go mm-hmm. about 450,000 years ago a group of spacefaring humanoid extraterrestrials arrived at planet Earth they came from a planet about three times the size of Earth which the Sumerians called Nibiru maybe you've heard that mm-hmm. Nibiru was depicted in the ancient Sumerian literature as the 12th planet of our solar system. Now you're thinking, well, how the fuck's that? As early as 1981, American scientists were theorizing the existence of a 10th planet in our our system based on sightings by an orbiting telescope and studies of irregularities in the orbit of Pluto indicating an additional solar body. If new evidence from the U.S. Naval Observatory of the 10th planet in the solar system is correct, it could prove that the Sumerians were far ahead of modern man in astronomy. There is no inconsistency here as the Sumerians counted the moon and the sun as planetary bodies, thus arriving at the number 12, the same number as their pa- a pantheon of Anunnaki overlords.
1: Hmm.
2: Okay, So they're counting the moon as planet and the sun, which we don't count as a planet. Right. It's interesting. Truly amazing is the fact that these ancient Sumerians, whom we are told were just developing writing, accurately described and diagrammed the planets Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, even though these three worlds cannot be seen without the aid of a telescope. Uranus was not known to modern man until discovered in 1781. Neptune in 1846, and Pluto in 1930.
0: And Pluto's been declassified, right?
2: Well, they, well, not declassified, but removed as a planet. You know what I mean? As like a, they're saying it's not a planet. Right. But then I think even just more recently they've re
0: reclassified it as a planet. As a
2: planet. I'm not positive on that. I heard that. I don't know if that's true or not. I, there's lots of debate on Pluto. Because there's other ones that are bigger than Pluto. That, mm-hmm. that, who knows? Anyways. Just the point. point is they didn't discover any of these until those years. Yet Sumerians were talking about them long before that. Right. And you couldn't find them without telescope, which means they right. had to have something, either a telescope way back then that we don't, didn't know existed, or they had knowledge of these things because, because they came
0: from they there. They came from there, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Long-considered fanciful myths, recent interpretations of Sumerian texts, particularly one entitled Enuma Elish, Elish, now known as the creation epic, provided a most plausible explanation for the present composition of our solar system. Why not take the epic at face value as nothing more nor less than the statement of cosmological facts as known to the Sumerians, as told to them by the Nephilim, Sitchin concluded. This would be no different than reading the Bible and believing everything in it. Hmm. Why not read this and believe it? as though it is fact. Right. That's all you have to do is put your mindset there. not saying you have to believe it, but put your mindset as though these were actual accounts. Right, right. Just like you read the Bible and think, this all happened. Right. Okay. The text describe how more than 4 billion years ago, Nibiru, a rogue planet, entered our system, narrowly missing a large planet called Tiamat, which cracked due to the gravitational stresses. In a subsequent pass by Niburu, in Sitchin's early works, he refers to this orb by its Babylonian name Marduk, Tiamat was actually struck and then bombarded by Niburu's attendant moons. Various sized fragments of Tiamat remained in its original orbit, becoming the asteroid belt, while the other half of the planet was knocked into a new orbit closer to the sun. This fragment over time coalesced into Earth. It was accompanied by one of Niburu's moons, Kingu, which became our own satellite, our moon. Interesting. Interestingly enough, this theory could explain why the Earth is missing much of its crust, particularly on the half encompassing the Pacific Ocean, as well as the origin of the asteroid belt. This theory also offered an explanation for comets, which have caused so much so much speculation amongst scientists. The idea is that when Nabû and Tiamat collided, many tons of seawater from both worlds were thrown into space, termed mingling of the waters by the Sumerian scribes, along with dirt and debris which became erratic flying balls of dirty ice this concept was strengthened by the recent discovery of meteorites in in Antarctica containing the same gases known to compose the atmosphere of Mars as well as by the discovery of NASA scientists in 1996 of what appeared to be the remains of microorganisms in a Martian meteorite thought to be 4 billion years old and if you I don't know how much you've ever looked in any of this shit but there's a lot of older older things, texts and shit like that that Uh, like when these old like uh, Egyptian things and all that they're not depicting a moon only the sun and there's a lot of things saying that the moon wasn't there originally it eventually just showed up so like you can go back and we'll look into that at some point but the moon in early early shit there's no record that this moon existed and all of a sudden one day it's there so like but see I don't know so, when we were talking about aliens on the moon and shit like yeah. this a long time ago, how it, it was almost implied like it was brought to us and placed there in orbit. Mm-hmm. This is kind of giving you a different version of that, but it's weird. Like I don't know. Anyways, let's continue. Nibiru called the planet of the crossing because its orbit crossed the solar system between Mars and Jupiter, Proceeded on its elliptical orbit, which took it far outside the solar system before being pulled back by gravitational force. Nabooru has been symbolized in numerous societies, particularly Egyptian, as a winged disk, a circle with wings stretching to either side. Life on Earth evolved based on its one-year orbit around the sun, the solar year. Life on naburu developed based on its one-year orbit around the sun, 3,600 years, to Earthlings. It then stands to reason that life on Niburu would have evolved somewhat sooner than on Earth. This disparity of time may also be illustrated as how an insect with weeks-long life might perceive a human with a normal lifespan as immortal. So, you know, fly. Mm -hmm. They only live, I'll say, two weeks. We live uh, 89 years. To a fly, we live forever because you know what I mean? To us Looking at a fly, their lifespan is two weeks. We're like, oh my god, that's fucking pathetic. Well, it's Anunnaki who one year at a time is 3,600 years. If they're living 89 of their years, we're talking hundreds of thousands of years mm-hmm. they're living. If they have, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's weird, right? When you, it, It's hard to do the math, but yeah, if you it's. Can, it, but see, remember in the Bible, people were living 800, 900 years.
0: Well, that makes sense because people say dog years are different. Dogs. You know I mean? Every
2: human year is seven, seven years, years for a for dog. dog, yeah. So that's the thing; it's different species and and whatnot that are all have a different time frame, yeah. And remember in the Bible, I don't know how much you know about the Bible, and there's people that at one point in time they're saying in the Bible in the Old Testament living hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Well, even the first one I
0: read said they'll live 120 years.
2: Well, that's what that's the limit that was put on humanoids mm-hmm. after a certain. People used to live a lot longer according to the Bible. And then with all the sins and all that, supposedly God, capital mm-hmm. G-O-D, uh, said humans will now only live 120 years. That will be right. the longest anybody lives. So, whatever. And then find humans that live beyond that. It's hard to find. I think there's like a few that have made it to 120. There might even be like... A f- a I don't think humans
0: made it to 120, have they?
2: You could Google it. Google but it right. the point is, like, it's not... A common thing. It's hard for people yeah. to even get to the hundreds of it anymore.
0: hmm Just put oldest person on record.
2: The oldest verified person on record was Frenchwoman Jean Cal- Calment, who lived to the age of 122 years, 164 days. There are eight verified living supercentenarians on this list, the oldest of whom is Italian woman, Emma Morano, aged 116 years, 281 days. So, 122. Wow. And And there's only eight
0: people that lived over 100, according to that.
2: No, there's people that live... that are in the 100-and-something years just people that are i know people well i don't know people specifically but there's people that live to a hundred i mean there's a lot of people that live to at least a hundred there's people mm-hmm. that are 101 102 but till like, i get to the 110 115 range you're now on a fucking tiny little list right. um the oldest person guinness world records is that 122 french woman yeah. anyways hmm. uh where was i uh, shit. Oh yeah, I did the Life on Earth evolved. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'm right here. About 400,000 years ago, during Earth's second ice age, the highly developed inhabitants of Niburu, the Anunnaki of the Sumerian texts, journeyed to Earth as the two planets came into proximity. According to the Sumerians, their initial landings were made in water, just as our own astronauts at first splashed down in the ocean. Logically, these ancient astronauts would have sought a base camp, which provided moderate weather and a good source of water and fuel. Only one location met all these criteria, Mesopotamia. The Indus River Valley and the Nile were two other good choices, but did not offer easy access to fossil fuel, which is still plentiful in southern Iraq. Some researchers review the, view with suspicion the fact that, these, that the sites of these first Anunnaki settlements in the southern part of present-day Iraq remain one of the few locations in the world where first world visitors cannot easily visit thanks to the continued confrontation with Saddam Hussein, who is obviously dead this book was written while he was still in power and the battles and all that shit over there Mm -hmm. with its attendant boycott and bombardments. With the supreme Nibirian ruler Anu supervising their efforts from the home planet, the Anunnaki began a systematic colonization of Earth under the leadership, leadership of Anu's two sons Enlil and Enki. All the Anunnaki leaders were later to assume the role of gods, lowercase, or Nephilim, to their human subjects. Amazingly enough, one of these Nephilim was named Nazi. One must wonder if the 20th century German occultists knew of this connection. Nazi? Nazi, which is oh, okay. weird because Hitler and, uh, who's his other fucking guy? The, the other. Mussolini? No, no, no. The guy that was under Hitler, but, uh,. The other main guy. Who was the other fucking guy? Anyways, they were both into the occult and mm-hmm. collecting all this, like, historic shit. Like, this kind of thing. So, it, it's interesting connection that that doesn't really go into any more in this, but makes you wonder. Yeah. Um, Enlil was the mission commander while Enki served as an executive and science officer. There was immediate and long-standing antagonism between the two half-brothers due to Niberian protocol. As in later Earth dynasties, the firstborn Enki was relegated to secondary status because his mother was not the official wife of Anu. This removed him from the royal line of succession, yet it was Enki who led the first expedition to Earth. In one well-preserved text, Enki described his splashdown in the per- Persian Gulf. Quote, When I approached Earth, there was much flooding. When I approached its green meadows, heaps and mounds, and, quotes, dams and dykes, uh, were piled up at, at my command. I built my house in a pure place. End quote. Enki was both scientist and engineer. Under his leadership, the marshes on the northern shore of the Persian Gulf were drained. Dykes along with irrigation systems were built, as well as canals connecting the Tigris with the Euphrates. Reinforcements arrived under the leadership of Enki's firstborn son, Marduk. Over thousands of year, years earth time, but only a few years to the Anunnaki. A thriving colony of these visitors was put in place and their attention turned to their primary objective, gold. Several researchers have composed elaborate metaphysical explanations for the Anunnaki activities on Earth. Many have to do with energy fields and spiritual planes disrupted by the passing of Nibiru and the creation of Earth. One theory was that the higher evolved Anunnaki were attempting to rescue lost souls left behind after the planetary collision. But more documented and acceptable Acceptable is the idea suggested by Sitchin and others that these colonists were after the Earth's mineral wealth, particularly gold, for use on their home planet. The Anunnaki sought gold to save their atmosphere, which had apparently sprung leaks similar to those we have created in ours by damaging the Earth's ozone layer with hydrofluorocarbons. The Anunnaki solution was to disperse extremely tiny flakes of gold into their upper atmosphere to patch holes. Ironically, modern scientists, scientists contend that if we are ever forced to repair our own damaged ozone layer, Tiny particulates of gold shot into the upper atmosphere would be the best way to go about it.
0: Gee, I wonder where they got that idea. Hmm.
2: And you've heard how you know that whole how they're so one of the whole thing of when they do these uh, like chemtrails, chemtrails, the cloud seeding, and all this shit has something to do with them trying to fix the ozone, fix that shit because we keep fucking it up. Anyways, lots of interesting tie-ins from these ancient fucking texts. Uh, I, it's fascinating to me, mm-hmm. because this sh- how do they have this knowledge? Unless it's legit. This is not like they just wrote this shit today. This is shit that's ridiculously old. Right. Like I, it, It's fascinating to me. Anyways, apparently an initial effort to retrieve gold from the Persian Gulf by a water treatment system prov- proved inadequate for their needs. Anu, along with his heir Enlil visited the colony and assigned Enki to find more gold. Enlil was placed in overall command of the Earth colony while Enki led a foray to Africa and eventually to South America where gold mining operations were set up. Proof of such early gold mining has come from scientific studies conducted for the Anglo-American Corporation, a leading South African mining corporation in the 1970s. Company scientists discovered evidence of ancient mining operations which were dated as far back as 100,000 B.C., Similar ancient mine excavations have been found in Central and South America. This indicated the Anunnaki missing efforts, or mining efforts were worldwide m- and may go far in explaining the early diffusion of humans. Then there's a little part where it says it's got connection from Mesopotamian name to the Central American name now. So like Mesopotamian name Chol, Central American l- locality Cholula. Hmm. Which is also fucking hot sauce now. Right. Uh, there's Mesopotamia, Colua, Central American, Colua Khan. Mesopotamia, Zuvana, Central American, Zuvan. Mesopotamia, Cholima, Central American, Colima. <coughs> Mesopotamian Zalisa, or Central American, Jalisco. These are all parts of Central America, Mexico, things like that. So it's weird the connection, how close yeah. they are. Well, these were all places that were. Like they just kind of adjust it. So if you just you know when you're rewriting history, you just kind of fucking adjust Mm -hmm. things or translate it a little differently, and you can come up with this. Anyways, so these all all these places exist now. All these fucking places. Anyways, that's the tie-in. So they're taking from these ancient texts and they've made these connections. It's weird, right? Yeah, it's really weird. I don't know. I'm telling you, it's. I don't know how you can make these connections from. Shit, that's so old to current day. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking weird. Yeah, like w- when I got get done reading this, like I don't know, dude. Makes me really, Keep really it. fucking question. Anyways, the raw mined ore was then carried from the flat, far flung mines by cargo shaft back to Mesopotamia for smelting and processing into hourglass shaped ingots called zag or purified precious. Engravings of such ingots are numerous, and some of the actual ingots have been found in archaeological excavations. So they actually found this shit? Yes. That the Anunnaki made? Yep. Wow. In an effort to ease the increasing rival- rivalry between the half-brothers Enlil and Enki, their father Anu placed Enlil in charge of the Mesopotamian colony Eden, E-D-I-N, perhaps the basis for the biblical Eden, E-D-E-N, while assigning Enki to Abzu, or Africa, the land of the mines. Abzu, A-B-Z-U. Uh, I find that interesting. Eden, E-D-I-N? Yeah. And Eden, E-D-E-N. Uh, further problems for these extraterrestrial colonists arose due to climate changes, which caused hardships among the Anunnaki and the unrelenting drudgery of the mining operations. One Sumerian text reported, when the gods, Anunnaki, like men, bore the work and suffered the toil. The toil of the gods was great. The work was heavy. The distress was much. Obviously, such revisionism of ancient history has, and will continue to, have profound impact on conventional science. Dr. Arthur David Horn resigned as professor of biological anthropology at Colorado State University in 1990 after he concluded that the conventional explanations for man's origins he taught were, quote, nonsense. After much study, he too came to believe that extraterrestrials were intricately involved in the origin and development of humans. The Anunnaki had been mining gold on Earth for more than 100,000 years when the rank-and-file Anunnaki, who were doing the backbreaking work in the mines, mute, mutinied about 300,000 years ago. Enlil, their commander-in-chief, wanted to punish them severely, and he called an assembly of the great Anunnaki, which included his father, Anu. Anu was more sympathetic to the plight of the Anunnaki miners. He saw that the work of the mutineers was very hard and that their distress was considerable. He wondered out loud if there wasn't another way to obtain gold. At this point, Enki suggested that a primitive worker, an Adamu, A-D-A-M-U, be created that could take over the difficult work. Enki pointed out that a primitive humanoid, what we call Homo erectus, or a closely related humanoid, was quite prevalent in Abzu, Africa, where he worked. Anki's plan to create a worker race was approved by the assembly uh, and was the starting point for humankind's origin based on the Sumerian accounts. This explanation also clarifies one of the most puzzling verses in the Bible. After being assured in the Bible that there was only one true God, Genesis 1, verse 26, quoted the singular God as saying, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This verse may carry two explanations. First, that the plural Elohim of the Old Testament interpreted as God by the monotheists who, who wrote Genesis. Indeed, it may have referred to the Anunnaki assembly which approved the creation of man. And second, the idea of creating man in our image meant simply genetic manipulation of an existing species, not the creation of a new race. As Sitchin explained, as both orientalists and bible scholars now know the editing and summarizing by the compilers of the book of genesis was of much earlier and considerable more detailed considerably more detailed text first written down in sumer the anunnaki earth's mission medical earth missions medical officer was a female named ninharsag also known as ninti who had already been working with enki in genetic experimentation there's all kind of genetic experimentation going on current with the cloning and all this mm-hmm. shit nowadays. So, okay, just keep that in the back of your head. On at least one Sumerian c- cylinder seal, an illustration of Enki and Ninharsak depicted them surrounded by vials or vessels, a table, shelves, a plant, and a helper, the scene looking very much like a laboratory. According to the Sumerian accounts, they produced many mutated creatures, including animals such as bulls and lions with human heads winged animals and apes and humanoids with the head and feet of goats. If true, it is obvious such experiments may have been the source for the many legends of mythological creatures and superhumans such as Atlas, Goliath, Gargantua, Polyphemus, and Typhon. In the 19th century, huge sphinx-like statues were excavated in what once was the palace of the Assyrian king Sargon II, who ruled Mesopotamia from 721 to 705 B.C., These statues included a winged bull and a lion with human head. Much of this art was purchased by John D. Rockefeller and transported to New York. Interesting. I'm telling you, it all fucking makes sense. The Sumerian account of the creation of the first man, written as Lulu, L-U-L-U, in the Sumerian or in Hebrew, Adama, literally translated as Man of Earth or simply Earthling, is quite clear in light of today's knowledge concerning cloning. But up to within 25 years ago or so the whole concept would have been incomprehensible to even the most learned scholar Enki and Ninharsag took the reproductive cell or egg from a primitive African female hominoid and fertilized it with the sperm of a young Anunnaki male the fertilized ovum was then placed inside an Anunnaki woman reportedly Enki's own wife Ninki who carried the child to term although a cesarean section was required at birth a healthy young male Adama hybrid was produced for the first time on Earth, bypassing natural evolution by millions of years. According to the ancient Sumerian r- reporters, when mankind was first created, they knew not the eating of bread, knew not the dressing with garments, ate plants with their mouth like sheep, drank from water from the ditch, drank water from the ditch. Afterward, Enki and Ninharsag went on to produce a number of Adamas both male and female although at this time they were incapable of reproduction and lived very short lives compared to the Anunnaki this was apparently done in a conscious effort to prevent any competition from the new human race it is interesting to note that according to the Genesis 3 verse 5 the very first order of the Elohim was that man in the allegorical form of Adam and Eve was to remain ignorant lest ye shall shall be as gods (coughs) now Okay, here we go. So, y- you get the Adamas? I, Adam? Adam, yeah, yeah okay. I got that. But yeah. I'm not
0: getting the Eve thing yet. I'm
2: still waiting for the Eve <laughs> well, thing. I'm about to explain it to you. <laughs> here comes your explanation. Several connections between the Sumerian version of man's creation and the Bible are apparent. The Bible speaks of woman being created from Adam's rib. Quote, the great Sumer- Sumerologist Samuel N. Kramer pointed out near the middle of th- this century that the tale of Eve's origin from Adam's rib probably stemmed from the double meaning of the Sumerian word ti, ti, which means both rib and life, explained Horn. So Eve may not have may have received her life from Adam without any bone being involved, or genetic material may have been extracted from bone marrow. Interesting. The laboratory which produced the first Adamas was called uh, Shimti, or the house where the wind of life is breathed in by the Sumerians. Compare this phrase with Genesis two verse seven in which God, after forming man from quote the dust of the ground, or Adamu meaning meaning earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Adam was the first test tube baby, proclaimed Sitchin after the birth of the first modern test tube baby in nineteen seventy eight. He saw this modern birth as support for his Sumerian translations, especially in light of the fact that modern science only began to conceptualize manipulating our genetic makeup within the 20th century. That the ancient Sumerians passed along symbols representing the long-forgotten science of cloning is suggested by the uh, caduceus, the logo of physicians even today. The ancient symbol of life-giving medical treatment represented by entwined snakes along a winged staff bears a striking resemblance to the double spiral strings of DNA molecules. DNA, only discovered in 1946, is composed of the amino acids within the human cell that store that that individual's genetic blueprint. It is the manipulation of DNA which can produce a clone, duplicate, or hybrid. So they're basically saying they took... It's like stem cell. research they do now, you can fucking take a stem cell and regrow a hand or regrow a uh, penis uh, you know things so it's like they did that they they basically took that and created eve from that this is I don't know how mm-hmm. they're explaining i mm-hmm. kind of went over it but to me it in quick ex- explanation it makes sense as opposed yeah. to just oh, here's them take this bone from your fucking rib and here they may have taken bone marrow from it you know i don't anyways evidence that the first primitive humans originated in africa has grown since the 1970s when some of the oldest pre-human remains were found there the bones of quote lucy and i don't know what that is uh, and other australopithines something like that clearly indicated that early primates lived in that area of earth more than three million years ago but were not as evolved as even the neanderthal contrary to popular belief scholars uh, C.P. Groves, Charles E. Oxford, and Louis Leakey have agreed that that Australopithecus was totally different in morphology from humans. Groves commented that non-Darwinian principles would be required to explain any connection between Lucy and modern humans. But woe to those who attempt to argue against conventional thinking. According to many independent researchers, there appears to be conspiracy against any discovery which conflicts with prevailing wisdom. One example was the fate of Thomas E. Lee of the National Museum of Canada, who in the early 1950 discovered advanced stone tools on ice in ice on the Manitoulin Island in Lake Huron. Not that far from us. Mm-mm. These tools were shown to be at least 65,000 years old and perhaps as old as 125,000 years, totally contradicting conventional theories. Lee claimed he was hounded from his position... Uh, His work was misrepresented and no one would publish his findings. Most of the artifacts, quote, vanished into storage bins and the museum director was fired for refusing to discharge Lee. The treatment of Lee was not an isolated case. There exists in the scientific community a knowledge filter, filter that screens out unwelcome evidence. This process of knowledge filtration has been going on for well over a century and continues right up to the present day. One particularly exasperated researcher recently wrote, realized that... Scientific institutions such as the Smithsonian and the National Geographic Society are set up by the world's elite factions in the first place to either debunk, distort, or simply ignore any scientific data that tends to enlighten people about their true origins. Hmm. I wonder who's behind those organizations. I bet if we looked, at, we'd find Rockefeller's name there. Yeah. As bluntly stated in the Bible, Adam and his progeny were not destined for a life of ease, but one of of hard work and survival at the hands of their, quote, lords. The term is that, commonly translated as worship, was in fact avad, or work, stated such. An ancient and biblical man did not worship his God. He worked for him. So it's a, you know, Mm -hmm. worship was actually work. But they changed that to worship. Okay. Uh, Horn stated that study of the Sumerian text made it clear that the Anunnaki treated their created slaves poorly, much like we treat domestic animals, we are simply exploiting like cattle. Slavery in human societies was common from the first known civilizations until quite recently. Perhaps it should, shouldn't surprise us to learn that Anunnaki were vain, petty, cruel, incestuous, hateful, almost any negative adjective one can think of. The evidence indicates that they worked their slaves very hard and had little compassion for the plight of humans. Yet, the Anunnaki eventually decided to grant humankind their first civilization, (coughs) the Sumerian civilization. But such civilization did not come before further tweaking of human genetic code, and finally an attempt to exterminate all human life. Since the first human workers were like mules and could not procreate, the Anunnaki had to constantly create new batches, a time-consuming procedure considering the span of time between in vitro fertilization and birth. So Enki and Ninharsag set about to create an Adama race which could reproduce itself. Genesis 2 verses 8-15 makes it clear that the Adama was created elsewhere and then placed in the Garden of Eden, or that area of the original Anunnaki colony called Eden, E-D-I-N. Accurately described as the plain between Tigris and Euphrates rivers, the Sumerian text related how an envious Enlil forcibly took humans from Enki's African lab and returned Uh, Returned with them to Eden, E-D-I-N where they were put to work producing food and serving the Anunnaki but Enlil needed even more workers and turned to his brother Enki for help Uh, Alford theorized that in retaliation for Enlil's raid on his African lab, Enki traveled to Eden E-D-E-N where he created a human reproduction lab for Enlil but secretly manipulated the genetic code to allow sexual reproduction which one did that? Uh, Enki. Enki. Okay. Traveled to Eden. Yeah. Um, created a secret, or a human reproduction lab for Enlil, but not to Enlil's knowledge, secretly manipulated the genetic code. Good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the Sumerian text describing the details of this process have, either been, have been either lost or undiscovered as, as yet, researchers have assumed that the proced- uh, procedure again inv- involved obtaining life-producing Adama DNA, possibly by extracting a rib while the subject was under anesthetics. Uh, this time, the male Adama's DNA was combined with a female Adama rather than an Anunnaki with possibly some accompanying DNA sequence cutting and splicing a procedure within our technology today. The result was a male Adama with the ability to reproduce through sex with an Adam, Adama female, or to know a woman as the Bible euphemistically put it. puts it. The man Adam had gained the knowledge of reproduction, a feat that many Elohim slash Anunnaki, including Enlil, deplored. They complained that the next humans would want to live as long as themselves. The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil, reported Genesis 3, verse 22. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, DNA manipulation drastically reduced the human lifespan, along with the ability to make full use of human brain capacity. Makes sense? Yeah. We're kind of tying in. Yeah. Uh, As the human population grew, both in the far-flung Anunnaki mining operations and in Mesopotamia, many Adamas were taken to work in the other cities that were growing up along the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Some were returned to mining chores and others may have escaped into the wilds or were sent away for population control. In any case, the Adama were sent out of Eden. Um, And you notice all we've done since you've been alive have you noticed all we continue to do is try and live longer everybody else wants to live longer yeah well why our goal is to live longer it's built in our fucking dna we wanted to live as yeah, long as, long as, as our those creators yeah. who live to us forever mm-hmm. but in reality they their lifespan is just longer because they're fucking anyways um The result of this human population growth and their increasingly close contact with the Anunnaki was predictable. Genesis 6, verse 1 through 4 related, When men began to increase in number on earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, capital G, uh, um, or in parentheses, the Nephilim slash Anunnaki, saw the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. The The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. End quote. So that's in, in the Bible. Uh, over the centuries, the Adama race, in addition to such interbreeding, was the object of continued experimentation, which eventually resulted in changing Neanderthal to Cro-Magnon. But some specific deficiencies deficiencies remained, including a progressive decline in the human lifespan. Descendants of the early Adamas lived for thousands of earth years thanks to the, their Anunnaki genes. This time frame slowly declined as interbreeding continued, and the effects of life on earth took their toll. But the extreme lifespans of the pure Anunnaki rulers made them appear as immortal. The Epic of Gilgamesh stated, only the gods live forever under, under the sun, as for mankind numbered are their days, whatever they achieve is but wind. So, now off text for a second, I theorize this ruling elite only breed within their own fucking families. I think these fucking Rockefellers and all this shit are still have that piece of the Anunnaki or they believe they do they're maintaining this genetic DNA from them mm-hmm. down through this point which is why they won't breed with the rest of us and they remain the ruling elite because they have this you know this fucking so it's like incestuous thing yeah. you keep hearing about like the yeah. the royal family and all this shit i and then we'll get into more of it as we go, but Does, I'm tying no, this all in back to that. They think yeah. they're part of that. They still, and they may have that part, which is why they remain at that level above us.
0: Does it get into the birth of Jesus in that?
2: Uh, uh, maybe a little bit doesn't,
0: because as you're reading, I think like you know how the Immaculate Conception happened, yeah, and how the the Spirit. I think the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of God or whatever, the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. came down and talked to her. That Holy Ghost could have been one of the Anunnakis that basically mm-hmm. impregnated her with their DNA,
2: right? What huh. ultimately, like, it doesn't quite go that far, but once you have this base behind everything, and you reread the Bible, you be able to, and you are taking that mindset of all of this behind it. A lot of the shit in the Bible that maybe didn't make sense could all fucking tie in it starts to maybe make a lot more sense it's interesting because a lot of the questions i've always had about the bible you put this behind it shit starts to kind of maybe make sense in that you could tie the two together but i'll continue
0: yeah no go ahead yeah. keep going
2: you're good yeah everything's yeah, fine yeah you're interested yeah authors gardner and alfred and others believe that the longevity of the Anunnaki was further increased by chemicals and or enzymes which retarded the aging process. Gardner stated the oft-mentioned starfire of the ancient gods may have been an anti-aging compound of the enzymes melatonin and serotonin found in menstrual blood. Longevity is well reported in the Bible which describes lifespans ranging into the hundreds of years for pre-Noah humans like Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Enoch, and Methuselah. This is what I was referencing before. Mm-hmm. Uh, pointing out that every early civilization sought the fountain of youth or some form of immortality. Alfred saw the obvious concern over age by the ancient scribes but argued that their dating system was deficient. This is one thing I always said. that it, People lived 100-something years, 200, 500, 600 years. They had to have been counting years wrong. Remember we've had this conversation? Yeah. This is all prior to reading this. Mm. It, they, they were... Anyways, since both the fossil record and the Sumerian text place the advent of humans at more than 450,000 years ago, some adjustment must be made with the biblical numbers. Multiplying the biblical ages by 100, he arrives at 165,000 years between the birth of Adam's son Seth and Noah at the time of the flood. This number is m- more consistent with Sumerian accounts. The Jewish people spent an extremely long exile in Egypt for 400 years prior to the Exodus. Later they spent around 60 years exiled in Babylon, explained Alfred. The Jews were thus a long way from the Sumerian origin of their patriarch Abraham and had lost the knowledge of the sexagesimal system in which their ancestry, ancestry through to Abraham was recorded. The first human, the Adama, was produced about 300,000 years ago. After further genetic manipulation, Anunnaki males began interbreeding with human women about 100,000 years ago. Not long after this, a new ice age began decimating the human population outside Anunnaki control. Neanderthal disappeared while Cro-Magnon survived only in the Middle East. By 50,000 years ago, humans fathered by Anunnaki were permitted to rule in selected cities, further angering Enlil, already incensed that some Anunnaki would mate with human women. He even complained that the sound of mating humans kept him awake at night. Enlil became determined to do something about the irritating humans. Now we get to the Flood. So we're up to that point. Mm -hmm. Accordingly, about 12,000 years ago, when the Anunnaki leadership realized that severe climatic changes would occur with the imminent return of the planet Nibiru, Enlil made his move. In their great assembly, Enlil convinced the majority to allow nature to take its course to wipe out the humans while the Anunnaki waited events out in evacuation ships uh, orbiting the Earth. Although Enlil's plan was accepted, Brother Enki uh, had a plan of his own. Whether out of some affection for humans or simply to thwart Enlil's plan, he passed along the murderous secret of the gods to one of his most prized human assistants, identified as the Sumerian uh, Ziusudra or Utnapishtim. Uh, the Akkadian version of the flood refers to Noah as Utnapishtim, the son of Ubar-Tutu, and locates both of them in... Uh, Shurapak, the seventh city built by the Anunnaki. Shurapak has been firmly identified as the medical center of the gods. It was also referred to as the city of Sud, who has also been identified as Ninharsak, the same goddess who had assisted Enki with the genetic creation of the Lulu. The same flood story was repeated in a Babylonian legend featuring Atrahasis as Noah. Utnapishtim, has been called the Sumerian Noah, and the parallels between the biblical account of Noah and the Gilgamesh account of the Great Flood are both striking and obvious. Referring to the story of Noah, Sitchin stated the biblical account is an edited version of the original Sumerian account. As in the other instances, the monotheistic Bible has compressed into one deity the roles played by several gods who were not always in accord. So they've taken multiple gods that are... Right. or. Uh, Anunnaki that were ruling, and made them one.
0: One person, yeah. Noah.
2: According to the Sumerian text, it was Enlil's rival brother Enki who instructed Utnapishtim slash Noah how to construct an ark, including the use of readily available bitumen to make it waterproof. The Gilgamesh version gave some interesting details deleted from the biblical account. Enki provided Utnapishtim with an excuse to explain to his neighbors why he was building a boat. He told them that as a follower of Enki, he was forced to leave the Enlil-controlled area and needed the boat to journey to Enki's territory in Africa. Enki instructed ut slash noah aboard ship take the seed of all living things. This instruction is most fascinating because since Enki had been the science officer involved in the genetic engineering of humans, it would seem plausible that Utna Noah took DNA samples of all living things rather than a boatload of animals, and in- insects, and plants. A ship's cabin full of sample vials would be much more reasonable than a floating zoological park. Makes sense.
0: Makes a lot more sense. To me, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because even though Before I watched the newer version of Noah where they put all the animals to sleep, I've wondered why didn't the animals attack each other and shit?
2: Right. Well, if they're all in fucking vials and all that, and they have the knowledge to, you know... Recreate them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy. Uh, Anyways, the theory that Enki, genetically working through Anapashtim, Pishtim slash Noah, and three ethnically different surrogate wives produced three sons who represented the three races of the world. Thus, after the Flood... The races of humankind were represented. Other writers theorize that the different races of humankind represent genetic experiments by extraterrestrial races other than the Anunnaki. The Akkadian account also made it clear that the Great Flood was not the result of heavy rains. It described a darkness accompanied by colossal winds which increased in intensity, destroying buildings and rupturing dikes. Such conditions would be expected by the near passage of a large planetary body. Scattered archaeological excavations over many years indicate what is regarded as a Great Flood flood was a planet-wide catastrophe, though not every portion of the world was underwater. One theory of the Flood was that the gravitational forces caused by the passing of Nibiru caused the Antarctic ice sheet, already unstable due to the end of the last ice age, to slip into the ocean, raising sea levels all over the planet. Even today, most of the original Anunnaki cities in Mesopotamia remain deep underwater and silt near the mouths of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. After six days and nights, according to the Akkadian version, the elements went calm, but no land was seen. Finally, as in the biblical account, the ark came to rest on a mountaintop, identified as Mount Ararat. After sending a dove, a swallow, and a raven from the ark, only the raven stayed gone, indicating that more dry land was nearby. Utnapat pished him, slash Noah, and his family then left the ark and offered a burnt sacrifice, which drew the attention of the returning Anunnaki. An ancient text stated the gods crowded like flies around the cooking flesh. Apparently they had developed a hunger for fresh food during their long confinement in the orbiting ships. Confronted by the fact of human survival and perhaps accompanied by some remorse over his actions, Enlil had little choice but to relent and permit further cohabitation by the humans. This scenario could certainly explain the sudden absence of a sizable portion of the human population about 10,000 years ago. Most were lost in the Great Flood. With floodwaters subsiding and Nibiru moving out of the solar system, the Anunnaki and the handful of surviving humans set about reconstructing the world. But this post-flood world has to prove less peaceful than the previous one. World was to prove less peaceful. Okay. Prior to the flood, any humans not working directly for the Anunnaki were roaming hunter-gatherers. Virtually overnight, they suddenly became farmers. Farming may not may be more than oh, Jesus Christ. Let me start. <laughs> Farming may be more work than hunting, judging by the available ethnographic data, and results in an unstable man-modified ecosystem with low diversity index results, noted archaeologist Kent Flannery. Since early farming represents a decision to work harder and eat more third-choice food, I suspect that people did it because they felt they had to, not because they wanted to farm. Why they felt they had to, we may never know in spite of the fact that their decision reshaped all, all the rest of human history. The Sumerian tablets explain why humans began to cultivate the land and domesticate animals, because their gods ordered them to do so. And with farming came the con- concentration of people in cities, larger and grander than before the flood. Each was ruled by one Anunnaki, one of the Anunnaki rulers, now beginning to be considered gods by the humans. As further evidence of the flood, the earliest efforts at, at agriculture were n- uh, found not in rich soil of river valleys, but in the mountain highlands of Mesopotamia and Palestine. Again, this is explained in a Sumerian text fragment which stated Enlil went up to the peak and lifted his eyes. He looked down. There the waters filled as a sea. He looked up. There was the mountain of the aromatic cedars. He hauled up the barley, terraced it in the mountains. Uh, that which vegetates, he hauled up, terraced, with, terraced the grain cereals on the mountain. None <laughs> of this shit's hard to fucking read. Yeah. Um, like humans, certain food crops appear to have no ante- antecedent in the Earth's evolutionary chain. They just suddenly appeared, fully cultured about 13,000 years ago, according to archaeological finds. There is no explanation for this but botanogenetic miracle, unless the process was one of natural selection but of our artificial manipulation. Noting that three critical phases of human development, farming, circa 11,000 B.C., prehistoric culture, culture circa 7,500 B.C., and civilization, circa 3,800 B.C., occurred at intervals of 3,600 years, the same period of time for a complete orbit by Nibiru. Hmm. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, in addition to kingship over crops and animals, the Anunnaki began to bestow leadership on selected humans. As humans grew ever more populous, the Anunnaki slash Nephilim realized they had to take steps to maintain control over their creation. They also desired... Intermediaries between themselves and the humans, whom they still considered little better than animals. During a post flood assembly of the Anunnaki slash Nephilim, it was decided to divide the Earth into four regions, with the human population split up within three of these areas Lower Mesopotamia, the Nile Valley, and the Indus Valley. The Anunnaki reserved the Sinai Peninsula, their new space flight center following the flood, as their private or holy sanctuary. Obviously, this divide-and-rule strategy for the scattered human communities required a s- separate leaders. Thus was born the concept of kingship. Human rulers is especially chosen by the Anunnaki, or gods, to represent them. The pr- uh, practice of dynastic kingship based on royal lineage, traceable to the gods, is one that has impacted countries and governments up to this present day. Which is what I was saying with that That goes back to the Rockefeller thing. thing yeah. An elite, yeah. Well, the kings, queens, and right. pharaohs. I mean, it's all part of it. They are all mm-hmm. looked at as gods, you know what I mean? Okay, so it kind of all ties in. This practice began in the Sumerian city of Kish, which sit, which Sitchin equates with the biblical Cush. Which is Kish, K-I-S-H Kush, Cush, C-U-S-H um, Located in the biblical Cush, east of Babylon, not in Egypt. Genesis 10 verses 8-12 through 12 relates that Cush was a grandson of Noah, and that and father of the legendary Nimrod, who ruled and built such cities as Babylon, Erech, and Akkad from his base in Sumer, before constructing cities in Assyria, including Nineveh. It may have been Nimrod's attempt to thwart Enlil's dispersion plan that led to the Old Testament story of the Tower of Babel. You've heard of that, right? Mm -hmm. This narrative began at Baalbek, believed a post-flood center for Anunnaki space shuttle operations located in what is now Lebanon. Massive granite blocks there called the Triath Trithalon, and weighing more than 300 tons each, buttressed the idea that this may have once been a landing or launch pad. The textual evidence, the geographical evidence, and the physical evidence all support each other to confirm that Baalbek was designed as a landing platform of the rockets of the gods. An Arabic text found at Baalbek stated it was there that Nimrod and his followers tried to construct a Shem, translated in Genesis 11 verse 4 as, let us... Make a name. Let us make a name for ourselves. Shem, in, inadvertently misunderstood, was rendered by most translators as a sign for the word name. However, it originally signified that which goes up. The origin of Shem as Mesopotamian, er, Mesopotamian, originating from the word mu or the se- Semitic derivative shumu or sham, that by which one is remembered, evolving into name. The original meaning of the words, however, was. Originally connected with the concept of something that flies, so it's how they it fucking translated shit, right? Incorrectly or whatever. Okay, that that makes sense. It's kind of hard mm-hmm. to read because there's so many yeah. fucking weird,
0: yeah, about. weird weird words. But yeah, it makes sense. Okay. I'm with you.
2: The realization that mu or shem in many Mesopotamian texts should be read as not should be read not as name but as sky vehicle opens the way to understanding of the true meaning of the ancient tales, including the biblical story of the Tower of Babel. Or Babel. Uh, the explanation for the trouble at uh, Babel, I'll call it Babel, Babel, whatever, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. was that the humans there attempted to construct their own launch tower, apparently hoping to produce their own Shem or flying vehicle with a view toward arguing against the breakup of humanity with the off-world ruler on. An. Uh, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, they were quoted in Genesis 11, verse 4, so that we may make a shem for ourselves and not be scattered over the f- face of the whole earth. This actively only added to Enlil's fear of human competition and made him even more determined to break up the humans. His reaction may have been reflected in Genesis 11, 5, verses, er, Genesis 11 verse 5 through 8. Quote, And the Lord have. Ref- uh, let's see. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. And the Lord said, "Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what will what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech." So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Soon the three branches of humankind, all the sons of Shem, Ham, and Jepheth, the three sons of Utnapishtim slash Noah, were transported to the preordained locations where different languages indeed developed over time. Alfred theorized that Noah... I'm going to stop reading the Utnapishtim because yeah, it's, it, it's, it has both... Yeah, you know, I'll just say no because more people know that may have had wives representing separate racial groups. The offspring of these wives would have been of different races, offering an explanation for the presence of the Negroid race in Africa, Mongoloid in Asia, and Caucasoid in the Near East. Both the Sumerian texts and the Bible agree that Shem and his descendants remained in the area encompassing Mesopotamia. Ham and his kin were taken to Africa to include parts of Arabia, while Jepheth's people were transported to the Indus Valley, possibly becoming the mysterious... Aryans who suddenly appeared there in prehistoric times that's another tie in with the whole Nazi thing a congenial peace should have come with this dispersion accompanied by growth of new cities with their newly installed kings and increased food production but unfortunately it appeared that the ancient gods were no more able to produce lasting peace than were humans trouble began even as the Anunnaki began to relocate their space flight facilities from Sumer now mostly underwater to the Sinai peninsula at at a place which came to be called El Paran, God's Glorious Place. As before the flood, Mount Ararat, in what is now eastern Turkey and reportedly where the Ark finally grounded, provided the northernmost landmark uh, for a glide path to the Sinai Landing Facility. This space was located on the 30th parallel in the geographic center of Sinai, while the southern landmark was the two highest peaks of Mount Sinai, known respectively as Mount Catherine, and the lower mount, Moses. What was lacking for this glide path was a matching landmark to the west. There, the terrain is too flat to offer natural landmarks, uh, and it was thus we are certain that the Anunnaki proceeded to build the artificial twin peaks of the two Great Pyramids of Giza. The Great Pyramid of Cheops was also a space beacon, agreed NASA scientist Maurice Chaitlin, who developed the Apollo space mission's communic communication and data processing systems. From high above the pyramid is visible at a very great distance to the naked eye, and in space it shows on the radar screen much further out because it's slanted sides that reflect radar beams perpendicularly if the approach angle is 38 degrees above the horizon. It is easy to calculate that the polished stone surface is a radar reflector. Such a powerful reflector could have served as a beacon for the approach of a spaceship and possibly has been serving for this purpose for a long time. We know that the pyramid had been painted in various colors which could have been metallized to increase the reflectivity to laser or radar beams.
0: So they're saying the pyramids are like they're landing like a, well, it's strip. Well, a, like a, a
2: beacon to kind of guide them yeah, to certain locations. Certain locations, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, the editors of the Holman Bible Dictionary report reported that Sinai or probably came from the word meaning shining, and was likely derived from Babylonian god Sin. Sin was simply the Semitic name for Nanat, the firstborn son of the Anunnaki leader Enlil, and sovereign of Ur, the home city of Abraham. Some researchers theorize that perhaps at some distant time the peaks of Mount Sinai also may have supported giant reflectors to aid the triangulation of landing pilots. Sin also was the Chaldean name for the moon where the sumerians claimed enki first obtained living organisms or seed for his human hybrid experiments from that leftover from the uh, clash between aburu and the planet tiamat the enormity of this single name change on human history is beyond comprehension declared henry when the christian interpreters came along they repeated the story that were born in sin they were entirely accurate in their statement however they omitted the fact that sin referred to the moon the source of our genetic material.
0: That's pretty deep, man. So basically, we're s- they're saying we came from the moon. Mm,
2: yeah, like our seed came from the moon. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But like now, if you not to like go off on a jag, but all these times we've been to the moon, there's nothing there. We don't need to mm-hmm. go back. Right. I don't know, like, there's something odd about the moon, though. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I let's, let's not go down a jag. Yeah, yeah,
0: but No, I'm just trying I'm just, to just soak it all in can and just make sense of it process this
2: on their own. And yeah. then, uh, you know, Due to the destruction of the Anunnaki Mission Control Center at the Sumerian City of Nipur during the flood and the need for the, a location equidistant from the glide path lines, a new control center was built at Mount Moriah, translated as Mount of Directing. It was the site of the future holy city of Jerusalem, long considered a most sacred place by all major Western religions. Mount Moriah, translated as Mount of Directing. Hmm. I'm telling you, it's just weird, right? By the time their space-related work was completed, new generations of the Anunnaki had been born on Earth. Appearing like a script from some ancient soap opera, one would be replayed down through recorded history. There are accounts of intrigues, conspiracies, and outright wars pitting brother against brother and sister against sister these conflicts rebellions and wars would eventually involve humankind providing their first exposure to armed combat which continues even today according to the sumerian text enki's firstborn son marduk gained sovereignty over the lands of egypt became known as ra oh pharaoh yeah it was his children shu and tefnut who set an example for future pharaohs by wedding each other. Their offspring Geb and Nut also married and were the next uh, next royal couple as well as the parents of some Egypt's some of Egypt's most famous god/rulers Osiris his sister-wife Isis Seth and Nephthys sister of Isis. All this interfamily marriage led to succession problem solved by dividing the country. Osiris was given lower Egypt and Seth the mountainous upper Egypt. Unsatisfied with his apportionment, Seth began to maneuver against Osiris, and thus began the legendary wars of ancient Egypt. Following the death of Osiris, his son Horus sought revenge on Seth, who moved eastward, capturing the Sinai spaceport. Enraged that the descendants of Enki had controlled the, had control of the space facilities, the followers of Enlil attacked Seth's forces. This family rivalry had been passed down since the earliest times. Led by Ninurta, a son of Enlil, the Sinai facility was retaken, rulership fell to the new kings of Babylon, Assyria and Canaan, who themselves were engaged in near ceaseless wars. Many of these conflicts were faithfully recorded in the Old Testament, complete with obscure names and unpronounceable places which have proved difficult for historians to fully understand due to the ever changing names from one language to another. This was done on purpose to confuse. Uh, armed conflict which had begun with, with rivalries and intrigues between the Anunnaki overlords now was being carried on by their human followers and had turned into a conscious control mechanism along with the religion, religious veneration of the Anunnaki already proved proven to be successful in keeping the unsophisticated humans in line but as is usually the case in so many wars things got out of hand for the Anunnaki In a story reminiscent of Romeo and Juliet, a granddaughter of Enlil named Inanna married the youngest son of Enki, Demuzi, with the wary blessing of both feuding families. But when Demuzi was killed after being taken into custody by Marduk-Ra for violating the Anunnaki moral code, Inanna attacked Marduk-Ra. To stop this conflict, I'll just say Ra from now on, since that's who we know more. Ra was tried for Dumuzi's death. As it could not be proven whether the death had been deliberate or accidental, it was decided to sentence Ra to life imprisonment in a huge, impenetrable place whose walls reached the skies. Sitchin identified Marduk, or Ra's prison, as none other than the Great Pyramid. He wrote that his translation of the Sumerian text explained that the curious well shaft, uh... Within the Great Pyramid, a puzzling, hand-hued tunnel connecting the pyramid's descending passage to its ascending passage was dug to bypass the large granite stone which plugs the ascending passage in order to rescue Ra after he was granted a reprieve but ordered into exile. This capture, imprisonment, and supposed death of an Egyptian god is well recounted in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. Inanna far from satisfied with this turn of events and desirous of power for herself, could only be sidetracked by being given control over another area, possibly the population in the Indus Valley. Mounded ruins representing Mohenjo-Daro, the largest city of the civilization dated back to before 2500 BC, were first recognized on the Indus River in southern Pakistan in 1922. Although thoroughly and strangely devastated in some prehistoric time, the bake Baked brick construction of buildings and the pre-planned layout of the city indicated to some researchers an obvious connection with Sumer. Alfred said the city was inhabited by a people called the Harapans who worshipped a sole female deity whose depiction bore an amazing similarity to other images of the goddess Inanna.
0: Interesting.
2: Interesting. I was just going to say that. Well, we both said, because yeah. it is. Uh, whether this Indus goddess was Inanna or not, she continued her quest for power, according to the Sumerian texts, event- eventually replacing Ninharsag among the major Anunnaki leaders. She also found a human hybrid that she used to carve out a new empire. This man was Sharukin, Kin, better known as Sargon the Great. Believed to be the offspring of a human mother and Anunnaki father, Sargon founded the Semite-Akkadian dynasty about 2200 BC, which finally encompassed all of Mesopotamia. Recall that Sargon claimed that he, like the later Moses, was placed in in a sealed basket of reeds by his mother and floated down a river to safety. Sargon's records of his conquests described Inanna as actively present on the battlefields, but attribute to Enlil the overall decision regarding the scope of the victories and the extent of the territories. So basically, what they're saying is, it's kind of like uh, that Sargon could have been like uh, Moses. Yeah. Uh, with the fall of Sargon and the Akkadian Empire, Ra slipped from exile and attempted to regain his sovereignty over Babylon. This led to changing alliances as the forces of Enlil and Anana lined up against those of Ra and his father Enki. Even a son of Ra named Nergal or Era joined the forces of Enlil arrayed against him making the conflict a true civil war fearing Ra's ambitions the Anunnaki persuaded Anu to allow the use of seven mighty weapons now believed by many to have been tactical nuclear missiles against Ra this all occurred sometime before the year 2000 BC it is at this point in the biblical patriarch Abraham joined the narrative according to Sitchin Abraham was far from just a wandering Hebrew as often popularly believed. He said that careful study of various variety of texts clearly indicating that Abraham of Ur was a ranking Sumerian. Coming to Egypt, Abraham and Sarah were taken to the Pharaoh's court and Canaan, Abra- Abraham oh my God, <laughs> made treaties with the local rulers. This is not the image of a nomad pillaging others' settlements. It is the image of a personage of high-standing skilled in negotiation in diplomacy. Abraham also commanded armed troops as evidenced by Genesis 14 verses 14 through 16, which recorded how he took 318 trained men to rescue his nephew Lot and family from an invading coalition of armies following the orders of Ra. Moving with the apparent intention of retaking the Sinai spaceport, These armies from the north had been turned back before reaching the Sinai and had stopped to sack the cities of Saddam and Gomorrah in the Sidim Valley on the southern edge of the Dead Sea after defeating the kings of the cities. Sorry, I had to burp there. Sorry, all Uh, All this air I'm talking. (laughs) It was here they had taken Lot prisoner before moving back north and here that Lot was returned after his rescue by Abraham. And it was also here that the world may well have felt the first blast of a nuclear explosion. Sitchin posited that it was, in fact, Abraham and his warrior, warriors who stopped Raz marauders from reaching the Sinai space facilities at El Paran. This feat brought praise and blessing from Melchizedek, as well as a covenant with Yahweh, identified as Enlil. So... Yahweh is Enlil. Keep that in mind. Alfred argued that Abraham's God Yahweh, originally El Shaddai or God of the Mountains, you've heard people say Yahweh is Yah, you know, um, may have been a son of Enlil named Ishku, also known as Adad. It was this Anunnaki who later kept in communication with his chosen people through a radio transmitter receiver named the Bible, named in the Bible as the Ark of the Covenant.
0: Whoa. Um, so the Ark of the Covenant was a radio? Yeah,
2: That's what they're yeah, saying. I'm about to explain it. Uh, uh, there's a Boole, some guy named Boule I, I think it says who, what his name is later on here. Some guy that studied. Also saw the Ark as a radio device and thought it significant that the Ark had to be completed according to very precise instructions before the tablets containing the Ten Commandments were placed inside. The tablets presumably contained the power source necessary to activate the receiver transmitter, he wrote. A verse in the Old Testament, Numbers 7, verse 89, may have even described the location of the device's speaker. Quote, When Moses entered the tent of the meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim uh, above the atonement cover on the ark of the testimony, and he spoke with him. End quote. So it's kind of describing... How it may have yeah. Since their Enlilite gods had failed to protect them from the invading coalition army, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah may have switched their allegiances to Ra. Whatever the reasons, Enlil and his sons Ninurta and Adad, years later prepared to launch the nuclear missiles as an attack of, as an act of revenge. But in honor of Abraham's past service, they decided to give him warning. As also described in Genesis 18, Yahweh came to Abraham and warned him that the cities would be destroyed because they had turned away from him. Evidence that the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was a planned event can be found in this warning, coupled with Abraham's bargaining with Yahweh, reducing the number of righteous persons for which the cities might be spared down from 50 to 10. This foreknowledge is also evidenced by the writing of Lot and Sodom by two angels, although the original Hebrew and Malachim eventually only meant emissaries. So, angels, emissaries, same thing. It's all based on translation. Right. Following some trouble with the neighbors over the visitors, as quoted in Genesis 19, verse 12 through 13, the pair told Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot and his kindred fled to the mountains as instructed, but the fiery cataclysm reached out to his own family. According to Genesis 19 verse 26, Lot's wife who had lagged behind was turned into or turned to a pillar of salt. The original Sumerian word interpreted by he- Hebrew he describes as salt also meant vapor. Lot's wife then was vaporized by the explosion which consumed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot and the rest of his family may have been shielded by the crest of a hill or the like. The Sumerian text Era Epos quoted one of those behind the destruction as vowing, The people I will make vanish, their souls shall turn to vapor. In the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it was common for some victims shielded by the initial blast to survive, while unprotected people standing next to them were vaporized. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Abraham, standing miles away in the mountains, looked down and saw a column of dense smoke rising as if from a furnace. Another result of the attack may have been a breach in the south end of the Dead Sea, which not only covered the bombed cities with salt water, but created the shallow southern section of the sea below the Lysan Peninsula. Ironically, it may have been Ra's own son who triggered the nuclear attack, as one Babylonian text stated. But when the son of Ra in the land of the coast was he of the evil wind, Nergal, with heat with heat the plain land burnt. I don't know if that made sense. It didn't make sense to me as I read it, but I think... Anyways, evidence for the nuclear aspect of this destruction came from archaeological reports that surrounding settlements were suddenly ab- abandoned for several centuries about 2040 BC, and that spring water near the Dead Sea has been found to still contain harmful amounts of radioactivity. Why would it have radioactivity? Because there was a bomb. Yeah, but they didn't have that back then, Dave. Sure they did. Not according to what we've been taught. can't believe anything we've been taught. Concurrent with the devastation of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Sinai spaceport also was targeted for nuclear destruction, apparently to prevent it from falling into Ra's hands. Other targets, unrecorded and yet as yet undiscovered, may also have experienced nuclear detonations. The Sinai detonation produced an unnatural scarring of the peninsula, which can still be seen from space, as well as a multitude of scorched rocks in the area. In the eastern Sinai, millions of blackened stones are found strewn for tens of miles. These stones are, without any doubt, unnatural. Photographs clearly demonstrate that the rocks are blackened only on the surface. The nuclear blast also created an unexpected and tragic aftermath. A radioactive cyclone was created, which moved northeastward through Mesopotamia, obliterating all life and ending the Sumerian civilization. Conventional history states that that mighty Sumer, which suddenly appeared about 6,000 years ago, simply vanished just as suddenly, absorbed by the new empires of Babylon and Assyria. The Sumerian texts tell a much more horrible story. According to various... Lamentations, translated by the Sumerian scholar Kramer, they reported on the land Sumer fell a calamity one unknown to man, one that had never been seen before one which could not be withstood a great storm from heaven, a land annihilating storm, an evil wind like a rushing torrent, a battling storm joined by scorching heat, by day it deprived the land of the bright sun in the evening the stars did not shine the people terrified could hardly breathe the evil wind clutched them does not grant Them another day. Mouths were drenched with blood, heads wallowed in blood, the face was made pale by the evil wind. It caused cities to be desolated, houses to become desolate, stalls to become desolate, the sheepfolds to be emptied, Sumer's rivers it made flow with water that is bitter, its cultivated fields grow weeds, its pastures grow withered plants, thus all its gods evacuated Uruk. They kept away from it, they hid in the mountains, they Escape to the distant plains. This one great storm of radioactive fallout annihilated the world's first great civilization, leaving the bodies of the population stacked up in heaps. It was at this time that the detailed narratives of Sumer and its gods ceased. It would be centuries before civilization and writing once more flourished in Mesopotamia as memory of the great cataclysm faded into vague stories of the nightmare. What actually transpired was that the original Mesopotamian writings were recorded as history. This history was later rewritten to form a base for foreign religious cults, first Judaism and then Christianity. The corrupted dogma, the new approved uh, history, was so different from the original writings, the early first-hand reports were labeled mythology. It was the Anunnaki's nuclear Armageddon with their millennia-old colony of Eden blown away. Hence the reason we can't find Eden. Yeah. Okay. One theory was that the Anunnaki, shocked by what they had wrought, retreated to an enclave in the Sinai where most of them made the decision to return home, perhaps leaving behind only a caretaker force. To humans, all this occurred in ancient times more than 4,000 years ago. To the Anunnaki, this would be just a little over a year of their time. Yes, yeah, thir- 3,000. So that's to us, yeah. Some researchers feel an Anunnaki rescue mission may still be on the way to Earth. Only time will tell. Survivors of this early Holocaust faced a period of regression and barbarism. The remaining humans made the best of things and began rebuilding their civilization, a slow process without the aid of their gods. Abraham and his people moved away from the devastation to the south, where he fathered Isaac at the age of 100 years thanks to his hybrid genes. Isaac's son Jacob became known as Israel, a name soon applied to his entire people. Some believe the name Israel is nothing less than a combination of the Egyptian god Osiris, O and IS at the end, Okay. Mm-hmm. and Ra and Mesopotamian god El, Israel. So. Gotcha. So n- not the O at the beginning, the IS at the end of Osiris, Ra, and the Mesopotamian god El, El yeah, Israel. Israel
0: yeah. Makes sense and the Israelites because he said they were named yeah. after their people. Yeah, oh, named
2: okay. after. him uh, after about 35 generations of Israelites had passed along oral accounts of the events above, it was finally written down in Hebrew. What happened next, as they say, is history. That
0: that explains it's why fucking they're fucking retarded. Yeah, it's not done yet. That's oh, that's, that's where that, we're at oh. at
2: this point though. Like, there's a, just a little
0: bit more. That explains why they're not here now. As they left, they, fl- they fled, and they yeah. may still come
2: back. Well, that's what they're saying. So, but it's 3,600 years. Mm-hmm. If we're talking, like, we're not to that point yet that they would return.
0: Yeah.
2: Or their planet, at least. Yeah. Based on the thing, and there's books. I have a book over there that's the Planet X, Niburu. There's a book talking about it's it supposed to have, be returning soon or whatever. Uh you keep hearing in mainstream, like not not talking about every day, but it's not like a main thing. But it's in mainstream news about um, and different things saying that they're going to come out with uh, these, like this alien, like aliens are going to come. Like it's a thing that they're tying with into. I don't know. I, I don't want to get into all that because I'm not 100% remember it. But I know I've seen different articles come out about this time that something's returning something's coming they're they're going to use never mind i'm not even gonna get into it (laughs) because i don't want to say something that's incorrect
0: yeah no i get you so
2: now that's that it gets us to that point now it's going to kind of break it down a little bit more and does this this will be your 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 summary your cherry on top of all that we just read Mm -hmm. okay okay It must be stressed that the proceeding only begins to scratch the surface of the wealth of data now available, both archaeological and in the cuneiform tablets. That supports this incredible narrative with its far-reaching implications, and none of the authors and researchers studying this subject feel they have all the facts. Dr. Horn may have spoken for most when he wrote, Let us make clear, once again, that we do not believe the ancient Sumerian and other Mesopotamian stories are absolutely true history. These stories that have come to us through thousands of years of oral tradition and writings are bound to be somewhat distorted, probably in some cases deliberately distorted by the Anunnaki, but I feel these ancient stories are probably as close as we'll come to the truth today. Also understand that all the above narrative is recounted in one form or another in the Sumerian text uncovered only in the last 150 years, all of which predate the Bible by at least 2,000 years. Yeah.
0: So where are these Sumerians? Where are they from?
2: The Sumerians, yeah, Sumer.
0: I've never even heard of Sumer. You never heard
2: of You never no. heard of the Sumerians, no, at all. No. Wow. Google it. I will. Um. I wish I. I mean, we could go. That's a jag, but I mean, yeah. don't. It, don't it, like, I, yeah, I was just curious. You keep saying it,
0: and I, I've never even heard of them before.
2: Right.
0: And you had said, that they, got they, said that they got wiped out. You said they got wiped out earlier, so I just assume yeah. that's why I'd never heard of them. But you have heard of them before.
2: F- came from the Anunnaki. They're kind of. It's like there's that connection there. Right. right. Okay. Sorry, another burp. Um, I apologize. I know people don't like when people burp on podcasts, but sometimes you just got to. Yeah. Um, just, consider like 2, <coughs> <me> <laughs> just consider what current events will sound like two thousand years from now. Sorry, let me start over. Just consider what current events will sound like two thousand years from now. The greatest nation on earth bombing some of the smallest and weakest for no reason, re- for no reason, for no clear reason. People starving in parts of the world while farmers are paid not to plant crops and others. Technophiles sitting at home playing electronic golf rather than the real thing. And police forces ordered to arrest people who simply desire to ingest a psychoactive weed. People of that future era will also likely laugh it off all as fantastic myths. So what they're saying is, what's happening here? In 2,000 years, when they talk back, you know, get books or whatever, talking about fucking legalizing weed and all that, they'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's insane, because, you know what I mean? It's not going to make sense. Right. Just like some of this may seem fantastical or Mm. mythical. Okay? Yet, searchers for truth cannot afford to laugh off the accounts of the Sumerian reporters who have been proven so accurate in much of their records, just as the overwhelming evidence of conspiratorial control in government business and the media cannot be ignored. It is amazing that we have, a, have as much information today as we do. Sitchin expressed admiration for the countless unsung persons who wittingly or unwittingly preserved the elder knowledge as well as they did. Bearing in mind that these ancient texts come to us across a bridge of time extending back for millennia, one must admire the ancient scribes who recorded, copied, and translated the earliest texts as often as not, probably with without really knowing what this or that expression was or technical term originally meant, but always adhering tenaciously to the traditions that required a most meticulous and precise rendition of the copied text, he acknowledged.
0: Yeah, because when they they transcribed it and and shit, they didn't know that we're going to be told this alternate reality. You know what I mean? Or that they they were going to
2: take pieces of original history... And kind of adjust them mm-hmm. to me. If, if you want uh, the best example, is why we have so many different religions today. There's certain parts kept in. So, like you take Christianity. Under Christianity alone, you have uh, you have the Catholics, you have the Lutherans, you have the Baptists, you have uh, the, there's all kinds. Yep, I can't even think about. It. There's so many, there is, yeah, yeah, and they all have a different piece mm-hmm. that. There's, they like some things, they don't like other things. And other ones like this, and they don't like this. And they're all versions of the basic same thing, but it's whatever fits best for them. Right. And that's what they live right. by. Okay, well, One specific example. perfect fucking example.
0: Catholic priests cannot marry. Lutheran pastors can marry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's one of the things, but they're both Christian. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it, there it, are a lot of differences. It, that's
2: a perfect example. Under one general belief, there's so many different pieces. So yeah. what's to say any of them are fucking true? Right. Well, they're all based under this one thing, mm-hmm. and then you have other pieces. That there's other religions that have different versions of basically the exact same thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, to me, there's that. That's a perfect example. How you just change what you want. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You could start your own religion and right. just make it what you want. Right. Okay. He also pointed out to the internal consistency of their accounts, stating the statement that the first to establish settlements on Earth were astronauts from another planet was not lightly made by the Sumerians. In text after text, whenever the starting point was recalled, it was always this. 432,000 years before the Deluge, slash the Great Flood, the Dinger, D I N G I R righteous ones of the rocket ships, came down to Earth from their own planet. Outlandish as these concepts may appear to some, Many people today believe strongly that in the near future, this version of history will become both popular and widespread, eventually studied and taught in seminaries, universities, and science centers. Already, breakthroughs in astronomy, anthropology, archaeology, and Egyptology have only tended to support the thesis of Sitchin and others. None of this is meant to deny the existence of a universal creative force, God, the absolute all or oneness of all energy and matter. The modern UFO contactees and abductees uniformly tell us that even aliens they have experienced claim an awareness of a supreme being. Ooh! So the same God, this creator, exists. Even the Anunnaki answered to God, God right? But how we got here? Like the Bible's skipping all the Anunnaki shit, saying God did this when, in reality god in the bible was actually the anunnaki they just kind of skipped the that piece of it okay the knowledge of this one god who must have created the anunnaki creators plus the awareness that there is more to life than this material plane of existence has been secretly nurtured within all of these secret societies beyond any question there are metaphysical spiritual aspects of this whole issue but that is not within the purview of this work The Sumerian explanation for creation and the origin of man is most compelling. It is not only internally consistent, but well supported by evidence from all around the world. Likewise, it provides feasible explanations for some of Earth's most puzzling anomalies and mysteries. It just makes more sense than many of the reaches of rationalism by past science. So we have arrived at the secret of secrets, the hidden knowledge passed down through the ages by the mystery schools and secret societies. Not only is humankind not alone in the universe, but non-human intelligence, most probably, had had, had a hand in our creation. Think about that for one second. Yeah. Want to take a sip of water? All right. So we ourselves are in fact part alien, then. Uh-huh. The idea of ancient advanced civilizations is really not a new one. In 1882, during a time of ignorance and total disbelief in, belief in things extraterrestrial, scholar Ignatius Donnelly wrote that the gods and goddesses of ancient mythologies were actually kings and queens of Atlantis, a pre-flood high-tech civilization from which sprang all subsequent human societies. Frederick Sal- Soddy, the British Nobel Prize winning chemist who established isotopes as a geographic age determinant. In 1909, wrote, I believe that there have been civilizations in the past that were familiar with atomic energy and that by misusing it, they were totally destroyed. Swiss author Erich von Däniken, though harshly criticized by mainstream scientists and theologians, wrote immensely popular books on early extraterrestrial visitors or ancient astronauts beginning in 1970. Subsequent discoveries in archaeology and anthropology have only reinforced Von Däniken's theories. As recently as 1998, he wrote, As the giant mother spaceship of the extraterrestrials cruised into our solar system, the ETs aboard discovered a wealth of all forms of life, amongst which were our primitive ancestors. The aliens, therefore, took one of the creatures and altered it genetically. No longer, these days, such an unthinkable idea. Some authors, such as Charles Fort, William Bramley, David Icke, and R.A. Boulay... There's that Boulay, that was... Mm -hmm. See humanity as little more than a herd of animals under the control of alien masters. Human beings appear to be a slave race languishing on an isolated planet in a small galaxy. As such, the human race was once a source of labor for an extraterrestrial civilization and still remains a possession today. To keep control over its possession and to maintain Earth as something of a prison that other civilization has bred never-ending conflict between human beings has prepared or promoted human spiritual decay and has erected on earth conditions of unremitting physical hardship this situation has lasted for thousands of years and it continues today right mhm in summary a race of interbreeding or in, in uh, parentheses royal reptile human hybrid unparenthesized bloodlines So you're really an elite, basically. A race of interbreeding bloodlines were centered in the Middle East and Near East in the ancient world and over thousands of years since have expanded their power across the globe, creating institutions like religions to mentally and emotionally imprison the masses and set them at war with each other. Something we just talked about. man has been conditioned for millennia to deny the truth of his ancestry and as a, a palliative... Uh, We have developed a convenient form of amnesia. We have accepted the interpretation of history propagated by a self-perpetuating priesthood and academia. We are property. I should say we belong to something that once upon a time this earth was no man's land that other worlds explored and colonized here and fought amongst themselves for possessions, but that now it's owned by something. The elder gods might try to maintain control today. Anyone could turn up claiming to be Jesus or Yahweh. On the contrary, there might be little advantage to the gods immediately announcing themselves to the masses. News of their return might be disseminated on a need to know basis, with only a few of the world leaders permitted to approach them. Life might appear to carry on as normal, but with a new political agenda. We might detect their presence in inexplicable events, changes in government policy or acts of war that don't quite make sense, and perhaps an increase in government secrecy. Hmm. Wow, that's all happened. Other authors also traced the secret knowledge back to Mesopotamia, but they saw the division between humans and non-humans as a metaphysical struggle between light and darkness. How is it possible to ignore the existence of an occult power at work in the world? Individuals, individuals, sex, or races fired with the Desire of world domination have provided the fighting forces of destruction, but behind them are the veritable powers of darkness in eternal conflict with the powers of light. Ancient knowledge was composed of two great religious truths, the unity of God and the immortality of the soul. Elder Masonic constitutions traces hidden knowledge, or science, as it is always called, from the pre-flood father of Noah, Lamech to the legendary Sumerian leader Nimrod, who found or invented the craft of masonry at the building of the Tower of Babel, and then to Greek geometrist Euclid, who established it in Egypt, whence it was brought by the Israelites into Judea, and there again established by David and Solomon at the building of the temple, it was brought into France, from France it was carried to England. This knowledge can be used to step across the line which divides the true from the false, the spiritual from the material, the eternal from the temporal. The ancient knowledge was given to early men by their progenitors, the serpent kings, who reigned over the earth. It was these serpent kings who founded the mystery schools and other forms of ancient occultism. It is the immense and ancient power of the knowing elite, traceable through both blood and philosophy, that has sought to usurp and control virtually every major movement toward the development of full human potential from long before early Christianity to the New Age. Since it has been clearly demonstrated that this knowledge or view of the world is still tightly held within the inner sanctums of the secret societies, there appear to be but three possibilities. The small inner elite continues to accumulate wealth and power in the hope of contacting our ancient creators non-human intelligences, intelligences or they have already achieved such contact and are being guided or controlled or they are ancient creators the Anunnaki, the servant Kings which one do you think that is? if the Sumerian version of our history is correct then the Anunnaki may still be here under a variety of guises based on advanced technology after all, while the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah would be more than 4,000 years ago to us, it would only be just a little more than a year to the Anunnaki. Well, if they are still here, that explains you've
0: seen the reptilian videos that there's mm-hmm. reptilian people still out there.
2: Well, th- th- it goes hand in hand with what I was saying earlier. That bloodline, the mm-hmm. Rockefellers, why they remain and why they, you know what I mean? They're they're that bloodline that's been carried down. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if you have this mindset, this history in mind. It to me, it makes a lot more fucking sense how yeah. these particular why they only breed within their own fucking families because they're maintaining that goddamn bloodline. You hear about these elite only maintaining their this particular bloodline. Be, you know what I mean? You hear about it with the king and queen of England and shit like that. They only breed within certain. Bloodlines, it
0: Yeah, and the Rockefeller thing, that's new. I'd never heard that they were incestuous and only stayed within their family.
2: You don't hear about the Rockefellers because they don't want to talk about yeah. them. That's why they, they put other people forefront mm-hmm. as, you know, that's why they stay out of shit. You don't hear about that shit. The Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, all mm-hmm. them fucking, okay, let's continue. Whatever the truth may be, we must be wary of leaders who attempt, whether by force, manipulation, or deceit, to move whole populations in directions they may not wish to go and might not be beneficial to all. We must acknowledge that while many leaders are not in government, they may control uh, our lives far more than any petty bureaucrat because of the inordinate power they have over what we see and hear. Hmm. Who owns all the media that is considered mainstream and what we want What we? You know mm. who owns all that?
0: The ruling elite, man, Rothschilds and Rockefellers. Okay. and Okay,
2: there is a perfect fucking example. It's so irritating when people refuse to acknowledge this shit.
0: Well, that, yeah, but thinking about what they said there about them changing things—that's not good for the overall population, but for certain people, they're trying to get rid of our guns, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty popular and pretty because topical right they, now. You know. I mean, they want to get rid of all our guns because maybe these people are coming; they don't want f- us to fight them back.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying. To me, I see a lot of parallel things, and, and to me, it connects. Mm-hmm. To some people I don't understand how you couldn't at least consider this. Yeah, um, and maybe people are listening and are considering it now. Maybe it, this is the key that they needed. I don't know. Right. In the past, wars and religion were successfully used as control mechanisms. Today, with nuclear weapons making large-scale wars unthinkable and organized religion on the wane. Economics, the power of money, has become the method of choice for control of the masses by the inner elite of the secret societies. The bad news is that most of what has been presented is true. The good news is that you are, well, it says reading, I'll say hearing this, which means the centuries-old plot to control human destiny has not yet achieved total success, though the warning signs are everywhere. From the viewpoint of 1948 author George Orwell described in a picture of the future as a boot stamping on a human face forever. Is this to be our future? As we enter the third millennium, new thoughts, new ideas, and new knowledge seem to be pushing us forward at an ever-increasing pace. We find our worldview and mindset constantly in- evolving into whole new patterns of understanding in what are obviously extraordinary times. In just the first few months of 1999, a national television audience was presented a very variety of programming devoted to Government conspiracies, UFOs, alien contact, new rooms and tunnels discovered within the Great Pyramid, and the distinct possibility of a prehistorical, highly advanced civilization on Earth with the promise of more revelations to come. Many of us look the other way, hoping we won't have to deal with the mind expanding questions that new knowledge brings. We avoid those TV shows and books which are liable to upset our traditional mindset. Talking to you fucking assholes now. <laughs> But it's no use. We hear about them in office conversations, radio talk shows, and even occasionally as brief pieces in the mainstream media. The discussion of topics which once were prohibited are now commonplace. So what's to be done in this era of spiritual spiritual poverty in the midst of material wealth? Knowledge is indeed power. It is time for those who who desire true freedom to exert themselves to fight back against the forces who desire domination through fear and disunity. Divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. In other words, this does not have to involve violence. It can be done in small, simple ways, like not financing that new SUV, says sports utility vehicle, cutting up all but one credit card, not opting for a second mortgage, turning off that TV sitcom for a good book, podcast, (laughs) I added that, asking questions and speaking out in church or synagogue, attending school board and city council meetings, voting for the candidate who has the least money, (coughs) Trump, Learning about the fully informed jury movement and using it when called, in general taking responsibility for one one's own actions, despite the omnipresent advertising for the lotto, legalized government gambling, there is no free lunch. Giving up one's individual power for hope of comfort and security has proven to lead only to tyranny. It is a time for truth about our past and present and about who really rules and about what's being done to this planet in the name of progress and profit. Love your country so much that you will look past the jingoism and soundbites to starkly view the fear-inspiring deprivations and corruption within the national government and oligarchy. Such truth must be made available to everyone, not just to the manipulative elitists of the secret societies. The time for secrecy is at an end. Don't wait for the corporate-controlled media to inform and explain. Read and listen to everything within reach and search for sources of alternative information. On the Internet, in documentaries, in old library books, in unconventional bookstores, podcasts, (laughs) read and watch things you normally wouldn't, then quietly contemplate. Use that God-given supercomputer called your brain. Perhaps more important, feel what's right within your heart, your soul, your innermost being. This is basically... What should be our tagline for this podcast, is that's exactly what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We're presenting things, whether they're true or not, to open your fucking mind. Use your goddamn brain. Hence, think tank. And remember, there remains one last great secret. Th- this one is within the hands of the general public, namely that there are more of us than there are of them, and we keep gaining knowledge daily. This knowledge comes from individual initiative not from government committees or the so-called experts. If one truly desires to be free, there must first be a search for truth without the aid of paid experts, academic snobs, media pundits, clerics, gurus, or government leaders, all of whom have their own agendas to press. True innovators like Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, and Bill Gates did not conform their thinking to conventional wisdom. Like these men and many more like them, each individual makes his or her own destiny, We are creative beings and would like to create the best possible world for ourselves. But this is impossible when the creative process is based on incomplete or erroneous information designed to instill fear and dissension. There are more people today who sincerely desire peace and brotherly love than ever before. Unfortunately, those who strive for power and control usually achieve it, and they want to keep it. But the time for brute force has passed. Today they can control the 6 billion members of the human community only through Deceit and secrecy. Now it's up to 13, by the way. When this book was written, it was 6 billion. Now there's 6, or 13 billion is where they're at now. So you can see how, this was a while ago, I think it was in like 99 when this book was written. Once you have found your own heartfelt truth, the truth must be shared, so as to lift the curtain of secrecy, which contributes to the ignorance, fear, and confusion of our time, and create a new spirit of human tolerance and togetherness. As recorded in John 8, verse 32... You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. <coughs> I'm done. I'm sorry, were you talking the whole time? Seacrest, out. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Were you talking the whole time? Uh, yeah, oh,
0: Welcome feel, to the podcast.
2: Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> but, so basically, that's the summary of your whole fucking thing. We, y- you learned... I don't know. I guess... Where are you at, in in... Everything I just read you about the Anunnaki, and getting you up to a certain point without you know um your thoughts i guess
0: you know man that's a lot to take in to just start talking right away i would say it does we we talked um briefly off air um it does fill in a lot of gaps and it makes a lot of sense and there's a lot of similarities the adamus is that what you call adamus it's spelled adam us, you know. Adama. Adama. Okay. Yeah, Adama. Fucking A at the end. Yeah. Then you have Adam. Yeah, Adam, yeah. yeah. You know, um the it explains a lot of the um fucking like the pyramids. We'd all talked about why they were built, why they were shaped that way. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. The radiate the radar fucking thing. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um the whole gotcha. Noah thing. That that makes it a lot more it puts it more in perspective. It puts the whole thing more in perspective. Everything it makes sense. It does it, does. it every d- it does. Every question you had,
2: reading the Bible, that shit. How could you get every species of animal on this boat? Well, if they weren't the actual animal, it was all in like sperm type form, right. like DNA, in miles, blood, DNA, DNA. or whatever.
0: Yeah,
2: you could take everything on the fucking planet mm-hmm. and have it then. Yeah, you could have the seed of that flower, that plant, yeah. that whatever.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, I'm telling you. Yeah. Everything makes a lot more fucking sense. It does. It does. When it comes to that. If you take how we're doing, uh, like, in vitro now, they did that shit way back then, mm-hmm. it works. That's how we were created, yeah, basically. The they, cloning yeah. works, yeah. I mean, that's what... So,
0: anyone listening, stop making fun of Test Tube Babies, because we all are Test Tube Babies.
2: Adam was the first one. We all came yeah. from that.
0: Yeah. So... And, and it's funny, because I, I, I say this even before this, like... In incest and all that, like Adam and Eve had their kids, in which case then their kids had sex to make more kids, and vice versa. Well, so that's what the Bible says. Yeah, in, in well, yeah, in that ver- in this version with the Anunnaki, created more, they just and kept more making more and more, more clones, and more. basically clones. Yeah,
2: and eventually they, yeah, they turned into where they humans could fuck each other mm-hmm. and whatever. Originally, it couldn't be that way, according to these Sumerian yeah. texts. Yeah, that. Are from the Anunnaki yeah to me yes it sounds fantastical but it makes a little bit more sense than it kind of it kind of fills in the gaps I mean I don't know mm-hmm. how else to say fill in the gap but yeah I mean it does yeah and, me- and
0: you know when you were reading the stuff and then you were quoting the bible I was reading the bible and it was saying exactly what you were saying and it's like wow it's
2: but with that, fucking ma- crazy. that that backstory mindset the shit in the bible can make more sense yep. it's uh, it, it elaborates on it, mm-hmm. knowing that knowledge. And the right, but see, right. if you eliminate, here's another thing: if you take away that backstory, so anybody that was raised raised with you know some sort of religion based, right. okay, most people were, some mm-hmm. people weren't. If you take the Bible. Do you remember as a kid, that Bible made absolutely no fucking sense. You yep. heard the stories. Yep. They they dumbed them down for the children. Oh, the story of the Ark and, and mm-hmm. the flood and, mm-hmm. and the story of Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Coat. They made them fantastical for kids. And, but yet, when you read the Bible yourself, it made fucking no sense. It was yeah. boring, yeah. stupid. You didn't want anything to do with it.
0: It was like reading Shakespeare. It just didn't make any right. fucking sense.
2: Even as an adult, you can read that shit and it probably doesn't mean much because... Mm-hmm the wording and all this shit just it's beyond understanding comprehension down to whatever. Now you put that backstory in here, all of a sudden the Bible makes a little bit more sense mm-hmm. with that backstory. Something that can so it's it's like a puzzle and you're missing one giant piece right in the middle. You don't get the right. fucking full picture because you don't have the backstory. Well you take away that backstory and then you teach everybody this fucking garbled shit Bullshit, in the bible
1: yeah. mm-hmm.
2: it's confusing and then you're able to maintain control it even the one of the last parts i just read talks about that mm-hmm. why they do that and now you have that this backstory this everything starts to fucking fit in if we could only get the remainder of the story which they're still going through they, they found a shit ton of these fucking sumerian texts they're still translating them to this day mm-hmm. so it's only a matter of time. Right now, Sitchin has since died. He died in two thousand and ten, but he had been translating this. shit I imagine other people have continued taking over that his that spot, work. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, I would hope, yeah. um But I mean, I don't know. For me, I don't want to say I am one hundred percent. This is it now, but I am closer to this than just than say evolution. Big bang, whatever. Um, and God created this. I buy this a little bit more because, to me, it fills in those gaps than just... Not saying that there isn't a God. So when people sit here, I, I, I it fascinates me that people will say, well, oh, you're a fucking atheist. No, I'm not. And then people, ha- going back to the argument me and Maya had, however many episodes ago, what do you define yourself? Why do I have to define myself? I don't understand why I have to define myself. I'm Anunnaki. How's that? (laughs) If you want a definition, I'll buy that before I'll buy any of this other shit because to me, there's a backstory and it kind of makes sense. Plus, this shit's older than the Bible.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that's really
2: trippy is that all this shit
0: happened 2,000 years before the Bible, 5,000,
2: 7,000 years? That's what they're dating them as, basically. And. These actual events were long before that, so mm-hmm. like they said, these could actually be distorted f- from true events too. But the point is, they're older than the book that we all base our fucking lives, lives, on. laws, yeah. and all this shit yeah. around. Not saying the Bible's bad; it's just it's an edited version of history right. to fit the narrative, one controlling portion of society. Mm-hmm. If you and I wanted to go back and. Adjust if Let's say you and I were fucking masterminds, and we were able to... Uh, th- the easiest way is to say Hitler. Not in that we're going to kill an entire fucking race, or attempt to, but let's say we were able to get into power, like Hitler,
0: mm-hmm.
2: meaning we were able to control. We wiped out a, a giant portion of race, then we adjusted history, we wrote a book, we could call it whatever the fuck we wanted to call it, mm-hmm the dave and ryan bible (laughs) and then we put our version of history in there whether it's fucking true or not we could take the sumerian version change it even more to fit our control and then pass it down for generation and generation 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 hundreds of years which in anunnaki terms is a year right in our terms it's thousands of years Pass it down, controlling these, and our kids control, and then our kids' kids, control, right. so on and so forth. And now we're here. We could have changed history as far as people two thousand years from now know it. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult. I know people right. can't fucking wrap their minds around it.
0: Well, if you can't wrap you your, your mind around it, then. and you have Amazon Prime, watch the TV show "A Man in the High Castle." Yeah, you know I haven't finished it, but I've watched and quite that's a few a episodes. Show of yeah. what
2: could have been yeah uh, you know it's, it's taken a yeah but yeah if, if you know America I mean? if you hadn't you won the war yeah if you
0: can't understand it watch this film or watch this tv show yeah,
2: there's an idea it's a little piece to give you an idea of what it could have been mm-hmm. if things were different I like guess that's a crazy show
0: yeah and I haven't finished it
2: yet like I, I like it that show but yeah I mean it's not that difficult to do this show. and I've always had that you know, Religion is a way to control people. And yep. that's exactly what it is. Whether you want to buy it or not, unfortunately, I feel more enlightened. I feel like, uh, I don't want to say, I feel like I, Illuminati. I feel illuminated because to me, this fills in a bunch of gaps. Some people only need this book, right. this Bible.
0: Right, and they're fine with Other that. Other
2: people need more than that. And that's me. Yeah, I'm I am myself an atheist, and I don't like people yeah, to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely want more information. You know, I want to know as much as I possibly can.
2: I'm going to get them books, and I know you don't like to read, but I'm not going to sit here and I read do, you I another don't, fucking book. I don't, I
0: don't mind reading. It's just the time. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: It's easier if you get the audio versions of some of these, but mm-hmm. I don't know if this particular book had an audio version. I just read you a fucking chapter. Right. Not you, but all the listeners. Right. I basically read you that chapter. I, I... I don't I don't know what else to, it was easiest for me to read it than mm-hmm. try to explain this shit yeah. separately cuz right. I don't think I could have gave it a, the detail and the right. accuracy. Right. No. Right, right. So that's why I actually just read it because mm-hmm. you if, if you don't want to spend the time to read it like Dave you're like fuck that I'm not reading. Then I'll read it to you. Cuz then you can just listen mm-hmm. to it. Right. right. Even though it was garbled because I don't maybe pronounce certain things right or not the best reader, I did my best. I got the message to you what you do with it you know it's up to me up to you it's up to listeners whatever to me this fills in gaps i hope it fills in gaps for other people that maybe weren't quite there and people that are sold on this bible thing maybe uh, what i really hope is that they're like "Eh," they maybe don't want to admit it because it seems a little off you, you don't have to go around fucking telling everybody in the world oh you gotta look at this Anunnaki thing but maybe you could You tell Mm -hmm. people to listen to this podcast and decide for themselves. Yeah. Like I said uh, at the beginning, it doesn't mean we're right, doesn't mean this is right, but to me it makes a hell of a lot more sense. I agree. The puzzle is more complete than it was before. Not 100% complete, but it's more. We found some pieces that were hidden under the fucking box or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So... do you think? No, I'm waiting. I, I want to hear what you think. Are you like Dave? Unable to really come to words? All that crazy story that uh, I just got done reading? Like, I I am so tired of talking right now. This is one of the first times I've been tired of talking. Like, I am literally exhausted. Um, either way, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I, I know I fumbled a few times, but there's a lot of shit to read and I'm not a professional reader as you can tell Um, but if you made it this far I assume you're not sitting there thinking these guys are fucking quacks and maybe you are but I would assume if you made it this far it it at least interested you enough that you were like, yeah I'll hear them out but what I am curious of is what do you think? take a few days think about it and then email me, thinktankpod at gmail.com. I really want to know, and I'm not just saying that, just say it. I really want to know, what do you guys think of this theory? Do you think it's legit? Do you think there's parts of it that are legit? Or, I mean, do you think this is complete and utter nonsense? Is creationism, the Bible, the, your your belief, your, your uh, for-sure thing? Or, or does this actually, what we talked about today, fill in a, a lot of gaps? that may be questions you had. Are, are you going to look into this more? Are you going to research it? I mean, if you just go on Amazon and look up uh, Zechariah Sitchin, he's got a shit ton of books on this that have all been um, translated from these ancient Sumerian texts. And then he's wrote books with these translations in English, so that we can read it and understand it. Are you going to go get these books and look into it more? I mean, these texts are older than the Bible, so at any rate, there's something to that. I think that needs to be considered. And a lot of this, all this shit's based on what these ancient texts say. So these ancient texts could be 100% bullshit, but. Where did the Bible stories come from? Could they be bullshit too? I don't know. To me, they all have a little bit of truth. Um, and if you put them all together, I think you get your best answer of our origins, where he came from, all that all that good stuff. And uh, I have purchased all these books, Zechariah Sitchin, from all these translations of the Sumerian texts. I am going to read them. We will probably... Uh, cover this topic again in the future as, you know, because this only got us through the flood and, and then it kind of jumped right through where we are today um, but uh, I, there's still holes missing and I think Zechariah Sitchin's books are going to hold some of those answers and I certainly hope people are continuing to translate the best they can the information in the Sumerian texts and uh, we can learn even more about our history that's been kind of covered and kept secret for so long. So, um, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, so, like I said, email me, thinktankpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at me if you're on Twitter, at the Think Tank Pod. Um If you uh, shop online, uh, Amazon specifically, uh, help us out. Go to thearyman.com, click the Sponsor tab, then the Amazon banner buy whatever you're going to buy on amazon amazon kicks us back a uh, percentage helps us pay for everything we need we need to do here uh you know better microphones uh, stands keeps the lights on the bandwidth all that good stuff and uh we appreciate your support that way uh, also if you have a beard or know somebody that has a beard go to phoenixbeardoils.com check out why you should be using beard oil um there's a description of all the fragrances um There's science put into all this, the aromatherapy and uh, all that good stuff. You can learn all about that, why different um, fragrances are used, mixed together with aromatherapy science behind it all to make a particular scent and how that's supposed to help you. You can learn all about that on the website. When you've decided to buy a, a handful of them, before you check out, enter the promo code D two R. Uh, you will get ten percent off the entire order, and a free sample will be included. You can't beat it. Um, yeah, give someone the bird. That's the tagline. Start saying that for uh, because why not? That's the tagline. Give someone the bird. Anyways, that will do it for today. I am tired of talking. This has been a really long episode, and I am fired up, as you can see. I am excited. Uh, I feel like, I feel illuminated, I feel like we have some answers finally, like we do a lot of these, and I leave with more questions most of the time, and today I actually feel like a little bit of calmness, like I have, still have lots of questions, but I feel like we've gotten some answers, so that's where I'm at, it's nice feeling this way for once, but maybe it's just because I'm so damn tired of talking. Anyways, we'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening.
1: Ooh. Ooh. I yeah. I yeah. I style with Space style with it, the Anunnaki Coming to America like King Jop Came in here to get the resources And I get the money like I'm Junior Ma Looking like I wouldn't read up Looking like I might be King Keita I don't even try to meme up talking, just might get you beat up Looking at this planet, we done came up I just came here with that green stuff I'm a giant to you little rappers And I body slam them all like Zanga they don't know what they should name us. I came from the sky and taught them strange stuff. Yeah. Call us demons, call us angels. Uh-huh. Call us guys, call us stables. Uh-huh. Taught them how to do the math, math. Uh-huh. Taught them how to do the biology. Niggas uh-huh. try to say Illuminati. Illuminati. But they ain't knowing that I'm Anunnaki. Yeah. Anunnaki. 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 Space style with it. Anunnaki. All of y'all women, we doing properly Period, Miss Triangles and Asosceles We was the ones who inspired Socrates We was the ones who gave up the theology We was the ones that was on a mission Y'all was the ones that made up religions Y'all was the ones that couldn't comprehend it I don't even like the definition Driving ain't no lights and nigga, I just came from the fear Girl, nigga, I just met with the mayor The president wanna know if I can chill I've been standing out like an obelisk I've been channeling it to the power grid, power grid. Kinda like a ventriloquist I'm kind of talking to the puppet, yeah power with the spaceship yeah. Chris Columbus with the iPhone You a motherfuckin', get your mind blown Yeah